you lot. You listen to Garage Hammer. Episode 267 of tonight's episode. The Manling talks all about the new edition of the Age of Sigmar, which he's so excited about because now nobody knows exactly how to play this game. So nobody can yell at him for having not learned how to play the game over several years. Now it's new. Now everybody knows nothing. Now he's on an even playing field. Maybe he'll learn how to play. <laughs> he's not going to learn how to play, I'll tell you that right now. He's not that good. Shut it! I'm listening to me show. Welcome to the garage, you tools. For the next two, three hours, however many hours, you know how it works. I'm going to do my best to keep you informed, entertained, and have a few laughs along the way. Bringing you rules and stuff and other new things in a positive, constructive way. I'm David Wytek, and with me to open the show, as always, is Lindsay the Canadian and Albino Hockey Puck. Say hello, Lindsay. Lindsay's concerned that... Uh, that I'm going to screw this up, but I'm not going to screw this up today because my guest host, uh, I believe, actually play tested this. Like that's someone who actually understands this game and will explain it to you in in their own particular matter of fact sort of idiom. Um, and that's going to happen in just a few moments. But first, I do want to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, which include Chaos Orc Superstore. If you say it that way, it sounds like a train. It's the train into Valueville. That's what that is. Oh, dear Lord. Um... Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Uh, all your MDF needs, all your basing needs, and uh, they can, if you have um, 3D printing stuff you want printed, as long as you got the rights to it, um, you can pay them and they'll print it for you, which is so much easier than having your own 3D printer and having to do all that work and figure out how to work those things and all that because I don't know how to do that stuff. I really don't. And Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. For all your basing needs, your MDF board needs, you need tokens, you need anything like that, they can do it. Um, in fact, uh, I had them make, like I said, I had them make me special bases with no edges for my Lumineth Realm Lords, for Harrisons, so that way they can put them together and they're just touching so they stay in that, uh, the silver uh, formation, the power thing. But you know, the, the cheesy thing that they do that makes them awesomer than they already are. Uh, I got that from Six Squared Studios. If you got a, you got something you need three D printed. You got the rights to the to the printout. I had them do that. They made all the heads for my uh, for my uh, for Harrison's uh, hammer elves. The head swaps I wanted to do. Got the rights to it. Had them print them out. Uh, they're awesome. Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. And of course, Grognard Games in Roselle, Illinois. There's always something happening at Grognards. That's right. So. Uh, thank you to all of our sponsors and also our Patreon sponsors. The Patreon sponsors, those people who think this show is actually worth donating to. Um, the people who make this episode you're hearing now and every single episode we do possible. And that includes our associate producers, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, AJC, Opie, and Big Jake, and our executive producer, Colin Miller. I want to thank you, all of our other patrons, past, present, future uh people have been coming back uh you know 
uh, after now that the pandemic's up and people are working and people have been coming back, thank you to all of you who've come back. Thank you to everyone who has ever donated to this show. It's a big help, and uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate all of you. Um, and also, uh, before we take our first break and then come back to talking about AOS 3, I do want to mention that we have voicemail. That's right, voicemail. Um, if you want to call and leave a voicemail on this show, you just have to dial 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Most international callers dial 00 and then 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's what you have to do. And then you can leave a voicemail. Now, I think I played all the voicemails like like a show or so ago. Um, so I think uh, I'm, I'm all caught up except for this particular one voicemail. If I've missed a voicemail for someone, I apologize. I'm going to play this voicemail right now. And then uh, and then we're going to probably take a break and then come back and uh, talk Age of Sigmar 3.0. Here we go. Hey, Dave, it's, uh, my name's Shane, giving you guys a call. I've been listening to the show for, for quite a while now. Uh, I for the, probably around the past three years. Um, and I just went to my first tournament. I always listen to your guys' advice and lore, so really appreciate it. Um, I got to play against Alex. I know he's not on the show anymore, but it was super awesome. Um, loved that he loved the gifts and got to play against the gifts army, so that was, that was amazing. Um, I know you guys made a mention of Piatone before. Uh, back on one of your previous episodes, it was the Magdalene Portons. Or not very good at pronouncing games, workshop stuff, but um, it's cool that uh, at least Alex, maybe you went down to that tournament too. So hopefully get to see you uh, at a tournament. Loving the Soul Black Grave Lord stuff. Just picked up uh, around 2,000 points worth of death battle. So excited to see uh, your next episode coming out here on the, the war section. And definitely love the lore. So. All right, keep doing what you're doing, Dave. I appreciate it. Uh, love checking in and seeing when your new stuff posts. Have a good one. Bye. Why, thank you. Thank you very much, Shane. And uh, I think it's fantastic that he just mentioned that he saw Alex, and Alex isn't on the show anymore uh, because uh, uh, I'm going to throw a little spoiler. Um, he's going to be on in about two minutes, and he's going uh, to help explain the new game to everyone because lord knows i can't do it so um yeah that's fantastic uh i'm glad you got to play against him and i'm glad people are i'm glad tournaments are starting again i can't i cannot tell you how much i'm glad that tournaments are starting again and life seems to be getting back to some semblance of normality oh it's so ugh, you know you guys yeah hey we're all living the same thing here so we all know it um let me take a break then let me come back, and um, once we come back, you Alex will be here, and we will talk all about AOS uh, 3.0. I don't know how long it'll take, but we're going to go over the rules. Uh, not just the changes, but we're going to go over the rules because uh, some people I know I've gotten uh, emails and messages from listeners who are new listeners or who are just starting. Uh, people are on the Facebook page saying, look, I'm just coming in. I, I skipped 2.0 completely or I skipped 1 and 2 and I'm coming into AOS 3. What should I know? So I, we're going to try to make sure that everybody kind of gets a, a good grounding in uh, how, how, this, how the actual game mechanics are going to work. Uh, so we'll be right back and that's what we're going to do.
That's right, folks. Chaos Org Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Org Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we are back. We're, I am back. And now, but it was an I, now it's a we. Because, as you all know, as I might have hinted or stated directly, depending on how you want to, you know, phrase your English, um, I have back with us in Garage Hammerland, the one and only Alex P. Gonzalez. So, Alex... P. Gonzalez? Is it not P? I just I just guessed at a middle initial. I wanted to make you sound you fancy and give you a middle one. initial. Is, wh- what is it? So actually, you missed by two. It's R. Oh, Alex, uh, Alex R. Gonzalez. And the R stands go. for robust. Ribald. Riveting. No. <laughs> Rambunctious. No. Oh, piss off. You know that's not me. <laughs> Um, it, it will it's be today. Raphael, oh, is it so. Raphael? Ooh, nice. Yeah, the turtle with an attitude. <laughs> you will forever be the turtle with an attitude. That's, that's dude. I that was my life growing up. But it kind of still is, isn't it? Do you but think I got turtle with an attitude. When I you were younger, Raphael. you were a teenager with an attitude, which would be make you a Power Ranger. Hey, dorky little robot, um, find me five teenagers with attitudes. I remember that show. I don't want to remember that show. Oh, come on. Be fun. All right, here's what we're going to do. I was making turtle comments, and you Turtles! went to Power Rangers. I, went to, I know. I went from good to not good. That's, that's, it's what I do. I, I understand this, and <laughs> it's okay. How have you been? Uh, um, You know, Peachy Keen just got back from Disney World. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm playing around with this dominion box that GW is nice enough to send me, um, reading the rules. Look at all these models are so, uh, they're just, you know what it is? It's not just that they're really nice. They're just so easy to put together. Like it's, it's, Hmm. it's just, you know, you get all this plastic and you look at it like, wow, lots of plastic. But then you just kind of slip through the rules and putting stuff together. You know, it's just... It's it's got me excited again, like, and I know I get excited mm-hmm. every time a book comes out. So it's uh, you know it's not like it's not shocking that I got excited, but um, dude, I don't even have Stormcast anymore, and I'm like, oh, now I'm sad I don't have Stormcast anymore, and I actually have thirty metal black orcs that I was like, ah, you know, if I bought some just basic orcs, I could take these metal black orcs and have a decent army, and then they're like, look at these mm-hmm. cruel boys, and I'm like. Oh, skinny, weird, like sort of mutated swamp orcs. Like they got a different place they live, and now they look a little different. And this is kind of neat. And it's like, wait, no, no, no. I just said I was going to buy Soul Blight after I finished painting everything. This has got me like, 
This has got me hobby wobbling. Not that I'll actually go out and buy more stuff, but it's just got me going, oh, look how cool this is. Look at all this things I can do. Um, I am a fan of the new orcs. I know people like they look too much like Lord of the Rings orcs, but they're different orcs. They're swamp orcs. They look different. Um, you know, they're not big, squat, beefy uh, iron jaws. They're not sort of muscular, slightly more lanky. Um, um, what are the other guys called? The... Um, Bone splitters. Bone splitters. They're like sort of their own. And you know, I'm just assuming they live in a different part of Gur. They have a different diet. They look a little weirder. They got those really creepy looking shields. I, I'm I'm all into it. I'm just it's it's something different, and it's something. I, I, you know, I I do I do like this sort of comedic, you know, the soccer hooligan orc. But this is a really interesting take, and and I personally don't mind it. But that's just me. What do you think of the stuff you've seen so far? I haven't talked to you on the show in I, a long time, so. Yeah, um, I don't much care for the new range of the uh, Cruel Boys. Um, because, to now, I think part of the issue for me is that it's a more natural-looking auric. Like, it has a lot more references to stuff in nature. Because I think Greg Dan had posted on Twitter of a picture of an ape standing up. And it looks like a Cruel Boy. Yeah. But shaved and green. <laughs> yeah. And then you take that disproportioned body, you put crazy things on it, and a Lord of the Rings hobbit face. I'm talking the hobbit, not the Lord of the Rings. Because no, if I it get, was the I get hobbit, what that's not a good comparison. If it's Lord of the Rings, then it looks better. But since ah. it's the Hobbit orc as opposed to Lord of the Rings orc, it's just is no bueno. Oh, I see what um, you're saying. Okay, from yeah, okay. Hey, look, so, and honestly, everything I'm reading on the internet, people are like, this is great. Other people are like, this is the worst ever. So, you know, here we go. You got that same that same split right no, here. It's not, the, it's not so much that it's the worst ever. It's just it's an aesthetic that doesn't jive with me. I'm glad people really like it. Like, that is teach their own. It's just not for me. I mean, I don't particularly care for the new Stormcast either because I think they're a little too over-stylized in the Roman and a little too over-the-top for me. But how they've gone from these big, heavy, clunky guys to mostly guys and girls that are a little lighter, a little more lightly armored. It's a different aesthetic. Um, so, I mean, I'm perfectly happy with it. It's I, just... I'm hoping that when... Because I'm assuming there's two new rule books coming out soon because they're always... You mean uh, Battle Tomes? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Two new Battle Tomes coming out no. at soon. And uh, I'm hoping that that in the lore for the new Stormcast book, they explain the change in the armor. Well, it's like, the new Thunderstrike pattern, right? Right. And and plus, you've got this whole thing of now they have trouble getting home, thanks to Bellacor. Um, right. I'm, I'm just... If, if they explain it, I'm good with it. Like, they don't all have to look the same. You know, there's different things. These guys are different parts from different times. I'm assuming that not every um, reforged, not every... Stormcast um, is just is going to get called home to get a new armor upgrade. You know, like uh, there's still going to be these different things. I don't have a problem with it, but then again, I rarely have a problem with this type of stuff. So you know, take it for what it is. Um, I think yeah, I no. think the new stuff. I, I think the new style is pretty cool, but I've always liked the Stormcast. Like I've always liked what yeah. they look like. I, I haven't. There's not really a Stormcast model I haven't liked. I just think they're pretty. 
they're pretty rad. Like I really do enjoy the whole aesthetic of them. And the new ones, they're a little weird. But I'm like, nah, this is still pretty damn cool. But like I said, that's just me. I just like them in general. You know, I always like the quote unquote good guys. I like that. The, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the guys are the, the, these are the frontline warriors defending for they're doing it for Sigmar. So I'm like, all right, I'm you know I'm all into these guys. That's just me. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about not a whole really. freaking new rule set. And this yeah. isn't and this isn't a tweak. This is new. This is different, and I'm kind of excited because now nobody knows how to play, so I don't feel like I'm behind the, the eight ball here. I'm, I'm uh, behind the curve. The curve is just straightened out, and I am now equal with everybody. So if I actually learn this now, I'll be where I need to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, no, like, I think the other thing is just, like, we – I was on the playtest team. Like, for those that don't know, I stepped down from the playtest team a while ago. Um, not terribly long after I left the show. Um, and when we started doing the playtesting for uh, third edition, it was during the middle of the pandemic and everything. So it was just really hard to get excited to talk about two, because that's when we were still reviewing, knowing what three was and oh. what was coming and the changes. So, like it's real it got really hard for me to get jazzed to Well that explains some things edition. because you kept that really under your hat cuz I didn't even know about that. I mean I know you can't say anything but if you'd have been like dude I'm kind of working on 3 it's hard to get jazzed about 2 I would have at least understood. I mean I get it you can't say anything but that explains a lot. Yeah, and especially once you've played a couple of games of 3 it feels a lot more intuitive um and it feels a lot tighter of a rule set and when you think about the things like soul blight grave lords that have gotten kind of a lukewarm release it's like no they were designed for three so everyone cool your jets the only thing not- that the only thing that kind of got me feeling weird is when i looked at the soul blight grave lords actually no that's not true i don't think it is is it hold on i'm looking is is the um the unit size, the min max, and the and because I looked at that, I said that's really weird, especially because everything could triple except for zombies, which could only double. And I now I'm now I'm, we, I I just got that list, um, because I don't have the obviously the new some I got the you know people posted it all over the place with the new yeah for sure sizes and prices, um, so now I'm trying to work on ideas and lists off of that. So, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of my night haunt, my night haunt got more expensive. Harrison's Lumineth Realm Lords got more expensive, so at least I won't have a billion things shooting at me at one turn. Good gravy, thank goodness. Yeah, and night haunt, like I play tested night haunt pretty much exclusively through uh, the testing for AOS three. Oh, like, nice. I mixed in gloom spite and everything, but I based on the rule set, like especially with their lack of access to monsters, I wanted to try to really get some reps in with night haunt to try to figure out how they can keep up without a lot of monsters because they only have the Morgul and he's kind of hit or miss. Oh, yeah. So, I have one of those in a box somewhere. I never built him. I totally forgot okay. about that. You're, you're, you're good. Yeah. Um, so, no. Um, so are they any no, good? Like, Were you able to play them? Yeah. Yeah, I, I did play them. Um, I tried them out. I didn't have enough to like, really try out like the Linebreaker Battalion. Um, but we'll get to that because um, I only have one. Well, I only had one. Okay. Um, but that's besides the point. So, like, 
it's just playing three. Um, it just, it feels a lot better. There's a lot more things to do while there's less, you know what I mean? Right. And well, as we get through that, you'll see that like there's some excess that's been chopped away literally. And then there's (laughs) some stuff added that makes it a little more immersive. And it's not necessarily about list writing. It's a lot more about playing. So, yeah. Well, cool. Okay. So let's jump into it then. Um, sure. Now, core rules. I just want to. I just want to jump over one quick thing because the beginning really goes through. Like, if you're a real beginner, it explains everything. Your models, what removed from play means, what a friendly model is, what an enemy model is. I do like they say if a rule says it affects models and it doesn't specify friendly or enemy, then it's friendly and enemy. Um, but this first one, factions, battle tomes, and battle packs. I just want to ask about this. It says you got to pick a faction, and they'll have their own battle tome, which may contain the war scroll. Are there no more Grand Alliances? Am I am I reading this wrong? Because if, if Grand Alliances don't have a battle tome, can you play Grand so, Alliance? Right now, Grand Alliance allegiance abilities were in the core book for two point Right, if I remember correctly, I believe so. If they are not in the core book for three then they're gone. Don't remember seeing them. But I want to say, can I just mention that this book, this book is, it's nice. First off, a nice book. This book is 360 pages. The rules start on 246 or 245 is where it says the rules. There's a lot of lore in here. Like I'm going through this going, you know what? I kind of, I'm kind of interested in kind of going through this again and sort of maybe going through and crib sheeting through some of this because this is actually mm-hmm. I mean yes it's it rehashes some of the old stuff we've had before and if you're new to the game you get all the stuff but there's also there's a whole section with clashing empires and, it, and it, but it's got new stuff about the newer armies and stuff in here too I'm really enjoying some of the lore that's in the core book which a lot of people tend to skip because you get your lore for your specific army in your battle tome there's a lot here. I just want to point that out before we jump into the rules rules. But so I guess there right. is there's there's no grand okay. So interesting. No more Grand Alliance soup. Hmm. All right. So um I guess the first thing that pops up is the new unit coherency. That's like the first thing. Um, and like I said, I'm not trying to skim through this, but you know, the like you go through the core rules. It talks about you know definitions on models and measuring from the bases and what friendly and enemy models are. This is so basic. If you've played any sort of a war game before, you can read that part on your own and totally get it. But the unit Correct. coherency bit has changed. Um, I kind of like it, but that's kind of how I always played it because, or not always, but I either had stuff like a bunch of stuff together, or I was playing with the. Harrison's Realm Lords, and I was doing the Shining Host stuff, so everybody had to be touching two other models. So it didn't bother me at all. Yeah. But let's so go. So they've over had this. some practice. So, so the, yeah. basically, you used to have to be within an inch of another model, which is still the rule if you have a, a unit that's two to five models, uh, as long as they stay within an inch of each other, which is the same old rules. Um, now. If you oh they have to be within an inch horizontally and six inches vertically because they added rule they they now they actually said if you want to go up and down here's some rules mm-hmm. for that which I glad I'm glad they added that too uh, if your unit has more than five models you got to be within six inches vertically 
and an inch horizontally of at least two other models, which basically keeps you from conga lining them. You can still conga line. You just have to be careful about how you remove models. You, you, um, you're kind of got to be in two ranks, though. Yeah, it, you kind of do. Yeah. You just can't conga line as effectively with a minimum size unit. Um, you just need to get better with your spacing. And you can cheese it. Like It's just harder. So it's not so let the me ask you this. thing to do. And I'm going to be asking a lot of questions. Okay. Let me I ask know. you this. Is, is, is there a big benefit to keeping your models an inch apart? I mean, I guess if you want to command some sort of space or if you want to screen, I suppose there's... I just... I have a lot of guys in their little movement. I got them in my little movement trays because I'm playing like Night Haunt and stuff. And so they're not all touching, but they're all those little... The, the, the gaps are kind of slight. I mean, my guys are maybe a third of an inch apart, you know, on, the, right. on, this, on these movement trays. Is there a... Is, is, Outside of I want to put a big I want to space them out as wide as I can to screen something, which then I get. Is there any mm-hmm. other reason I I mean should I always be keeping them an inch apart or is there I just I personally because I tend to play horde armies and I don't do a lot of big huge screens because I'm throwing big horde stuff at you and I just never I never spaced them out a full inch. Is there something I I'm missing? Is there something a, a good reason for this? Um, yeah, so it was obviously a screen-off zone, so this way you couldn't uh, deep strike or lightning strike or do any sort of the teleport alpha strike shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Um, by spacing it out that wide, you could command and zone off a bigger piece of real estate. Um, but then the issue then becomes it's a longer time to move that line, and you have to maintain coherency, and then which unit is which because you're going to do overlapping to a point so it just the conga line thing is great in theory um but you're not really going to be conga lining as much because the board space is less you're not trying to cover as much ground because there's less ground to cover so it's it's 60 inches wide so it's it's only five feet wide and what is compared it? to six so and we lost a foot and it's how many it's 44 inches Right, sixty so by forty-four. Two inches. It was. So it was four yeah, foot, 60 and now by 44. So it was four by six, and now it's three foot eight by five. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. See, and I just whenever I would stretch my stuff out, and maybe it's because I played against you and you knew what you're doing, but my biggest problem is once you got stretched out, if if uh, I always found if you had a unit that stretched out that way, all I had to do was take a couple of units and go in on either side of that line. Right. Because you have to and move towards the closest unit. Yeah, and then it's like, well, now you're kind of screwed. You're either going to have to pull away from one or pull away from the other end. Um, it, it just I always felt it was easier to manipulate if it was stretched out in a long line. But that right. was that was my tactics were different than most people's, you know, so I mean, that's, you know, mm-hmm. I, I lose No, and honestly, it just makes for a smoother, cleaner game to have them be in that sort of coherency um, because then you're not dealing with the conga lining, the pulling as much. It's still present because of like just how angles work. So you can still do it. It's just not as much of a headache to try to do it. Like managing that unit in combat as models get removed. So no, the new coherency, it's just designed to clean it up and expedite the game instead of 
just stretching and doing craziness. Okay, cool. So now uh, at least I know. Okay, so let's move to the next bit. Now it talks about armies. Uh, each mm-hmm. player is the commander of an army. Your units must be from the faction. You got an army. Okay, that's nothing I need to know. Um, okay, this I found interesting. You can have one endless spell for every wizard in your army. So if mm-hmm. I have only one wizard, I can only take one endless spell in that army. Am I correct? You are correct. Okay, so you can't just take one wizard and, and stock up a bunch of endless spells because he's got multiple casts or stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. You only get one, so you have to take multiple wizards if you want to take multiple endless spells. Um, in army construction for the GHB, I don't remember if there's a limit, just a hard cap for endless spells like there was in GHB 2. Um, or GHB 2020, I should say. Um, I don't have 2021 in front of me. Uh, nor so, do I. Yeah. So in any event, without any sort of additional um, clarification in the 2021, um, you can only take one per wizard. So that means like Zinch can take a ton of them, but then you're also dealing with expensive units of horrors, expensive wizards, this, that, and the other thing. You don't have as many points for endless spells in general. So. Okay. Um, the, the, I mean, obviously people like Realm Lords, where every unit is a wizard, they can cheat and take a thousand, I suppose. But You uh, could, but then you have like no army to play with. Right, because it's already expensive. Spells. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one invocation for each priest in your army. Now, I thought that some of these... Now, I, I think there's, I think there might be exceptions to some of this because sometimes they come with one, and then it's like you know one off a off a list, or you can pick one. So I no, 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 no. Invocations are different. Oh, okay. Um, invocations are like the um, the corn skulls or the corn axe oh, okay. or the uh, fire slayers, um, magma wall. Um, oh, so they can each pick those are. It's one. It's the endless okay. prayers. Okay, got you. And then one faction terrain feature. Okay, then you pick your general. Flibble, flabble, blibble, blabble. Let's see what else we got. Uh, Talks about measuring distances. Most of us know how this works. We know about dice rolling off. Rerolls. You cannot re-roll a dice roll more than once. Um, If a rule allows you to re-roll an XD6 roll... You must reroll all of the dice used for the roll. Now, what, can you can we can you clarify that real quick? Because I know that got me a little confused. So replace X with two, and then read it again. Okay. If a rule allows you to reroll a two d six roll, you must reroll all of the dice used for that roll. Um, so if you're rerolling a run a charge roll, you oh. have to reroll both. Okay. 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 So if it's tell okay, I see what you're saying. So that is a – all right, good, 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 good. Um, modifier – okay, sometimes a modifier – Yeah, this one's applied, a big one. Okay, sometimes a modifier will be applied to a dice roll. Modifiers are applied after re-rolls. Also, mm-hmm. not before anymore. Right. Okay, because um, they used the to be done thing, before re-rolls. Am I correct? Cause, at a point, they were done before re-rolls. Um, and I think you could, because it, it also got to a point where, like, some of the reels or re-roll failed, and then you could apply the modifiers first, so they wouldn't fail. Um, it just got really sloppy. This is just hard stop. Okay. Modifiers are applied after re-rolls. So I roll, 
and then look at it so that I'm looking at unmodified before I do my rerolls. Okay. Rules that refer to an unmodified roll are referring to the dice roll after rerolls have been made, but before modifiers are applied. So when you get to so when you were saying an unmodified six, then we're looking at, you know, those are sixes. So that means if you got a plus one, fives don't count for that anymore. Okay, so if it says unmodified, it's whatever the number is on the die, just to be clear. Right. And then it's like if you have a unit that forces you to reroll sixes to hit against it, the reroll is not a modifier. So even if you roll like a six again, it's an unmodified six after the reroll. Ah, okay, cool. Um, the other thing of note is this little box out to the side, which I certainly appreciate these little box outs. Oh, um, yeah. When you read it for the to hit and wound rolls, you cannot modify it by more than one or minus one, but more than plus or minus one. So you could stack a unit to the bajillion D with like plus two to hit or whatever. They only count plus one. But that's after you add up everything. So if you give me right. a minus one to hit and I have a plus one to hit, that's at zero. If I got a plus two and you've got a minus one, I'm at plus one. But if I had, a, say, a plus three to hit, don't ask me how, and you had a minus one to hit, I'd still only get a plus one. Like after Correct. everything, it can only go up to plus one. But you, you throw all the modifiers together. Right. You okay. throw them all together, but it's not like you can be plus two to hit or whatever through some combination of things. You're only ever plus one to hit. Right. Okay, cool. So that's to hit and to, to wound. wound. Are there other roles that stick? It says, it says some. I'm just, I know rend can be more than one. Yeah. So um, like a save roll, like increasing your save by one, you can increase it by more than one. Okay. Um, rend can be modified by more than one. That sort of thing. So but this hitting is like, and okay, that's that's helpful. Yeah, because like there are some units that you, like you could stack pluses to hit from shooting, and just have them be like hitting on twos. So you can't do that anymore. You only have a plus one to hit. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, War scrolls include abilities. They have effects when it's used. The effects applied. They have restrictions. Blah blah blah. They give you an example, and the, the side boxes are super helpful. Um, yes, they are. You know, like you said earlier, um, but they go and explain a few things. Let's see. They talk about the start of the phase or the end of the phase, and if it doesn't specify those, it's called during the phase. Um, abilities that are used as at the start of a phase are used before anything else happens. I mean, this is this is still some basic stuff, but it's it this is. A lot of this explanation stuff is helpful because this is the stuff where it gets confusing to some people and arguments happen. Um, right. And they're going through and trying to iron out all the minutia, mm -hmm. all the little blibble blabble. So Yeah, I mean, we're, we're four pages into the rules and we haven't really gotten rule rule stuff in this is just explaining so i know a lot of people went oh my gosh this went up to 40 pages from 14 yeah but like the first four are sort of laying it down is this watertight i know people are already complaining about what certain wordings are and certain wordings aren't is it watertight maybe not is it 
does this clarify it way better than the old rules did? I think so. I mean, I've been reading this, and uh-huh. it's actually, I mean, I'm asking you questions, and I'm making sure I understand it right, but so far I've got it pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm, hey, let yeah. me put it this way. If we're four pages in and I haven't gotten something wrong yet, the rules are pretty pretty well written like anybody can understand them. Yeah, so. they're just trying to make sure that it, the game plays as best as it can, like nothing is perfectly airtight, but this is damn sure better than the last five six years that we've had from aos so this is it's just getting through everything takes a lot of words and then like there are some things that's like well like the abilities and phases like when it goes off it's like well it'll say like do this at the end of this phase or at the start of this phase but they're still clarifying it for rules purposes so this way there's no they're trying to eliminate as much gray as they can so so the yeah. fact that the effort was made to even try to eliminate the gray is already saying something. So I got a couple of questions on the different types of effect things here. So I just want to make sure I got them straight. Simultaneous effects. Okay, if the effects of two mm-hmm. or more abilities would be applied at the same time, the player whose turn is taking place applies the effects of their abilities first in the order they desire, then their opponent does the same. So if now is this talking about... If it's affecting my models, I apply them in the order I want, or is it yes. just my rule? So if, if if you and I are playing... Or it's their abilities. It's their abilities. Okay. So my unit has an ability, and I'm trying to use an ability, and your unit has an ability, but that ability affects what my unit is doing. I get to decide. I get to do mine first, and then you do yours to my unit next? Yes. Okay. So I don't have any choice in that. I can't be like, no, you apply yours first. Like, I don't know why I would want to do that, but I'm just making sure I apply mine, then you apply yours. Um, Okay. Mm -hmm. And if they would be applied at the same time outside of a turn, we roll off to see who they do it. Okay, that makes sense. When the effects of two or more abilities are contradictory, the last one that was applied takes precedence. Is there... Did I miss something here? Like, that... I mean, I just... I mean, I guess... I, I don't understand how this... Like what? I wish I had an example for this one. Is what I'm asking. Do you have any sort of an example that I would get? Not currently. Okay, good. Then I'm then I'm not. Then They're I... trying to future proof for other errors or things that may come up. Okay. So just because we don't have an example of this now doesn't mean that it may not happen in the future. If two or more effects are triggered by a roll, a triggered effect, you know, something happens on a six. If you roll a six, it does a mortal wound and the sequence ends or whatever. If Mm -hmm. a triggered effect is applied immediately, if two or more effects are triggered, only one can be applied. The player who made the roll must pick the effect that's applied. This is interesting to me. Yes. Um, Because obviously I could have multiple effects on my same model. But here comes another question. And I know I keep asking a lot, but I just want to make sure that I understand it. No. So let's say uh, my guy, if I roll a six, I do mortal wounds. And yours says, hey, if your opponent does roll sixes, he has to re-roll them. Okay, that's something that gets triggered because you have something on me. Those are two things that are the same. Two of... Those are two effects that are triggered by me rolling a six. Can I be like, oh, I, my sixes do mortals, and you say your sixes have to be re-rolled? I could be like, well, no. I'm going to choose so to do the mortals and not re-roll them? So the example is, like, it might be triggered from a five-to-five hit roll for an attack is six. The trigger applies immediately after the roll that triggered it, but 
um, you the reroll doesn't count as a modifier. So if a rule instructs you to pick or change a roll, or no, time out. I'm explaining this incorrectly. <laughs> yeah, so if, after re-rolls, but before modifiers. So the triggered effect example like I can give you is if it's like you have a unit of Blight Kings that do D6 hits on a 6 to hit. Uh-huh. It's the exploding hits. If they also have an ability that gives them... If they roll a one or roll a six for a more, for, if they do a six to hit and it's a mortal wound instead, you can only do the D six attacks or the mortal wound. Okay. So if you have an effect that if that if you have something that if that uh, that is triggered by my rolling sixes though is what I'm asking you because sometimes that happens. Sometimes there's rules. If you you know I, someone casts a spell, your opponent has to re-roll sixes. So I cast a spell on your blight kings. You have to re-roll sixes. So when you roll, is that not a triggered effect? So couldn't that be a contradictory effect when the effects of two or more abilities are contradictory? The last one that was applied takes precedence. And I get to pick the... Hey, the, look at that. (laughs) And the player who made the roll must pick which effect is applied. Ah! So, once again... But the last one applied takes precedence. So... The... It's this will need some clearing. Okay, I'm, and I'm not once again. We're going not, around in circles. I'm not trying yeah. to pick holes in this. I am trying to figure out. I you know I mean I've played enough games where I know multiple things can happen. I'm just asking how that works. I like the idea that hey multiple things can happen and I can just pick the one that happens. But okay, so that needs. Uh, oh, I like. Uh, you know, we'll 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 table that. Uh, what else? Oh, I also, uh, you can shoot or fight sometimes more than once, but you can't shoot or fight more than twice, which I knew that rule was coming up because the Soul Blight rule kept saying, oh, if you haven't already fought more than once, then you can fight again. And a lot of the effects, like the Van Helsen stuff, says you can fight another time if you haven't already fought another time. So I had a feeling that rule was coming up. Which I yeah. suppose and is it's good. one of those like Slanesh had the command ability that you could fight with a unit again. Ah, uh. um, so like it got to a point where it's without without any sort of like FAQ or anything you or like clarification on the wording that you would just slam it multiple times. So got you. Okay. All right. So we're up to two point uh, The battlefield. Terrain features, blah, blah, blah. Don't need too much of that. Everybody understands that, I think, what a battlefield is. Um, deployment is 3.0. Look at this. We're cranking through this because there's like 25 rules or something like that. So deployment, uh, you deploy your armies. Sometimes a rule that you set them up other than on the battlefield, that's a reserve unit. If it's added to your army later, that's a summoned unit. Okay. Oh, and you have to, and it just says right here in the rules, at the start of the fourth battle round, units still in reserve are destroyed. So you have to, you have to pull them up by the third turn. By the end of the third. Right. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, battle rounds. Uh, okay. Uh, we know what battle rounds are. That's when we both have a turn. Bup, 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 six phase priority roll. At the start of each battle round, roll off. That's the priority roll. The winner has priority and must and must decide who will take the first turn and who will take the second turn. Okay. 
So when you make your priority roll, you now. So if I win the priority roll, that doesn't mean I'm going first. It means I decide who's going first. Correct. Which I still like that rule better than having to go first because sometimes you're going second and you don't necessarily need a double turn and you can be like, nope, skip the double turn. I'll stay second, which means, you you know, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. There's a lot and there's more benefits now, but I always kind of liked going second because uh, then I could control if I need a double turn and especially like going into turn two if I didn't need it, keep it away because as long as my opponent is not going second, I can't get double turned. You can control that a little bit with that. In the event of a tied priority roll, don't roll off again. If it's the first battle round, the player who finished deploying first has priority, which is in all but matched play. Uh, otherwise, the player who went first. And so if you tie, the, it doesn't change. Did the, the person who went first still goes first? Okay. Uh, okay. So instead, in the event of match play. Yes. How does that mean anything? Oh, um, I'm sorry. Um, it's, it, I found it interesting because the, the rules really, and we didn't touch on this, really are more focused. The basic rule set is for narrative and open play. Um, matched play has its own separate set of rules in the book. And where is it? It's right in here. Um, where was I reading? Hold on. Give me one second. Um, we're talking about the priority roll. Uh, don't roll off to determine who has priority in the first battle round. Instead, the player who finished deploying has priority in the first battle round. So having priority means they decide. So you don't roll off. Where do you see that? Oh, I'm sorry. It's under matched play on page 339. Do you not have the matched play rules? Cause you just, so what's the point and sub point? Uh, there is no point and sub point. I'm sorry, you don't. Okay, I'm holding the actual book, and I don't think they included matched play in the core rules. See, this is something that they did that people uh, and, and and when you, okay, so after you get through the core rules, there's a whole section about open play in the in the in the big book, and a whole section about narrative play, and then it gets to a section about called matched play, and matched play has a couple of different rules. Um. The there's a contest of generals table, which is the old table that says what the point limits are, what you can have. Um, like in a two thousand point game, you can only have up to three endless spells and invocations. Period. Okay, so there's yeah, there's, there's a that. limit. Um, but it That's also why I was like, what are you talking? Oh, about? Oh, you have no idea what I'm. Th- okay, so I'm sorry, I'm rambling on about stuff nobody knows about. Uh, it talks about allied units, faction terrain. Um, you can have core battalions in your army, but you can't have war scroll battalions in your army for a matched play because mm-hmm. obviously that's a po- that's a big points difference and things like that. Um, but there are special rules that apply to matched play. Um, do not roll off for priority in the first battle round. Whoever finishes deploying first has priority. Um, and then there's some cool stuff that we can talk about later. Uh, different strategies that you have to pick every turn. Uh, you picked a grand strategy for the game, and then every turn you pick a battle tactic. Um, you have to pick different ones every turn, and if you if you succeed in getting those, you get like extra command points or something. It's like little things ah. you, you you get. It's little initiative things you can do, like oh, pick a unit, and if that unit's destroyed at the end of the turn, uh, you get an extra bonus. Um, there's some cool stuff to to to. Or is it a command point or is it? Hold on, let me look real quick. 
Uh, oh no, victory points. It should be victory points. It is victory points, um, not yeah, command no, points. I'm I sorry, knew those were points. a thing. Yes. Um, I just didn't realize we were going over that part because oh. I only have the core rules. You know what? And I didn't even think. I, I I keep like I said. I they were nice enough to send me the book, and I didn't realize what because I haven't looked at the core rules online because I have the book. I didn't realize they didn't include the match play. With the core rules. Um, no. There's very small differences, and when we're done with all of this, if you want, I can kind of go over it because it's very cool. I'm excited about it, but like I said, I got a chance to see no, it. No, it is legitimately an exciting point. I just can't speak to it because I don't have it. Okay, sorry. So, any event. All right, no, so cool. we got the priority roll, uh, and then command points. Uh, first turn gets one command point. The player who takes the second turn, who will take the second turn, receives two command points. So that's uh, mm-hmm. that's that's awesome. So there's a little bit of a benefit to going second. Okay. There's a lot of bit of a benefit for going second. <laughs> right. Um, that extra command point makes a huge difference, and especially when we get to some of the other command abilities later in the turn description. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big deal. So let's uh, – I want to I wanna keep going here, and I want to get through the command points part, and then we can, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll maybe talk about the phases. Uh, command points allow you to use command abilities. You get them at the start of the battle round after priority is determined. Also, if your general's on the battlefield, you get a command point. At the end of the battle round, any command points that have not been used are lost. So you can get two to three command points if you have your general, and I think there are certain things you can get. You know, there are. I know there's rules in, in the battle tomes and stuff like that. Like you can pick abilities like, oh, you get an extra command point. Um but you're generally, without any bonuses or extra stuff, you're going to have two to three command points per battle round. So, And if you don't use them, you lose them. So it's like you're going to want to use them. There seems to be a lot more things you can use them for. So they are at a premium, even though you get a bunch every mm-hmm. turn. We used to only get one. Um, you know, Command abilities are done the same way. Spend a command point, pick a model to issue the command and pick a unit to receive the command. Unless otherwise noticed, the models that can issue the commands and the units they can issue them to are as follows. Unit champions can issue commands to their own units. Now that, I, we haven't gone through, that's an interesting new rule. Heroes can, heroes can issue commands to units wholly within 12. Generals can issue commands to units wholly within 18. Totems can also issue to units wholly within 18. And the command abilities say when they can be used and all that stuff. A model cannot issue more than one command in the same phase, and a unit cannot receive more than one command in the same phase. That's a big difference. Yeah, and you cannot use the same command ability more than once in the same phase, even for different units. So, like, if you do um, the reroll charge roll for one unit, that is the only one you get that charge phase. Yep. Interesting. Very interesting. All right. Um, so before we get into the hero phase, because there's all – now, this is where all the new stuff started pouring in, and I was like, oh, this seems really confusing, and it seems like they're bogging down with the rules. But I also have a feeling once you get used to this, this is not going to be any different than, like, the generic commands and stuff like that. Like, your heroes get Correct. bonuses, your monsters get bonuses, and we're going to talk about all of that uh, when we come back from the break.
Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. And we are back talking about the core rules and the hero phase 7.0 is where we're at in the core rules. Yeah. Um, the first thing on here is obviously heroes and heroic actions. This is some is pretty cool stuff. Huge. Yeah. So this is, so at the start of the hero phase, you pick someone to perform this heroic action and then you get, your command point for the turn if the general's on the table. And then you can do everything else. So the heroic action thing is you get to pick one hero at the start of your hero phase to do one of the following four things. Now, hold on. Before you we can't. get to that, I just want to ask. Now, it says starting with the player whose turn it is, each player. So every turn, so both turns. So in one battle round, you're going to pick this twice. You're going to go... If you went first, you'll pick one of these guys to do something. Then I'm going to pick one of mine to do something, and then in my turn, mm-hmm. I'll pick them. So it's it, it's. I like that stuff is happening with both of us during both turns. It's you're it's getting a little more involved. It's not that I go you go sort of thing. It's not completely I go you go, but it's not completely where we're both going all the time. But I like that. There's that's one of the big changes that I like is that I can I can interact in your turn more. Right, and you also receive a command point in your opponent's turn. So, in the first turn of in, in if you're going first, you're going to get one for going first, one for your general being alive, and then you're going to get another one in your opponent's turn. Because it says each player gets a command point if their general's alive. So, oh, wait a minute. If your yeah. general's in the bed at the start of the hero phase. Okay, so wait. So at the start of the battle round, you're going first, you get one. I'm going second, I get two at the start of the battle round. Yep. And yes. then it's your hero phase, so our general is on the table, so we each get one. Correct. Okay, so now you've got two and I've got three. Then when my turn mm-hmm. comes, at the start of my hero phase, we each get another. Correct. So it would be oh. three to four. Okay. Not including anything else. Interesting. Okay. Uh, okay. So let's do with this. So we can each pick a heroic action. You wanna? You wanna grab grab one or two of these? Yeah. Sure. So the first one, leadership. Um, you pick a hero and roll a die. Add two if your general has been slain. So this is like a bit of a comeback mechanic. Um, on a four plus, you receive a command point that only that hero can use in that turn. 
not battle round in that player turn to issue a command. So only the hero so you, who you chose get to use it. And you have to use it that turn. So as soon as it goes to the other player's turn, it's that, gone. Okay. Um, so it's on a four up, but it's on a two up if the general's dead. So you're losing that extra point twice a turn if your general's dead. So if you really need it, this is a good one to try to get. The, I want this guy to do something. I can get it. All right. Yeah, so granted you would then be losing out on the next three to try to keep up with the command points, but it really gives you the flexibility, and it's like if you lose your general, you're not completely out of it as far as the command point game. Nice. Uh, What's next? Heroic willpower. Pick a friendly hero that's not a wizard. If it's the enemy hero phase, that hero can attempt to unbind a spell like they were a wizard. If it's your hero phase, they can attempt to dispel an endless spell as if they were a wizard. You can still only attempt to unbind or dispel the same spell or endless spell once in the same phase. But you're basically getting an extra dispel. Mm-hmm. All right, that's that's actually kind of helpful, isn't it? It is, especially for armies that don't have access to wizards. Um, Sons of a Hammett, obviously the first one that pops to mind, unless they take the artifact that makes one of them a wizard. If you're a Kraken Eater. So oh. you have a little recourse there. Um, it makes things, um, again, like uh, Caradron Overlords that, again, have no native access to wizards. You have plenty of ways to uh, unbind spells, but to deal with endless spells in the same manner. So like, it gives you more flexibility and more freedom of choice if you don't want to be like getting forced into taking a wizard. Cool. As it were. All right, you want to take the next one? I like their finest hour. Yeah, so you get to pick a friendly hero and add one to wound rolls for attacks made by that hero until the end of that turn. And then add one to save rolls for attacks that target that hero until the end of the turn. And this can only be used one time by each given hero. So it's not like I can have a vampire lord on zombie dragon um, fly just in keep and using two. it. Yeah. Right, this is a, I'm going to go to level 9,000 once, and then I'm back to me. So, Okay, so five turns, two or five battle rounds, two turns per battle round. So, so these, that's ten. That's ten heroic actions you're going to pick. So you've really got the three. You don't have the, to do all of You don't right. have to. I mean, but, but you have up to 10 opportunities. Up to 10 opportunities, and it's that, that finest hour. You're only going to get to use that one as many times as you have heroes. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Um, and then uh, heroic recovery is the last one. Pick a friendly hero and make a heroic recovery roll by rolling 2d6. If it's less than your bravery, heal d3 wounds. If it's equal to the bravery, heal one wound. So as long as you don't roll over your bravery, you can heal back up. I, I like this. I like Especially all of these. Especially for armies that are natively high leadership. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, now, when it says your bravery characteristic, okay, it's mm-hmm. your hero's bravery characteristic. Now, obviously, you're not talking about units of heroes, so it's not going to be... Um, you know, you're not going to get a bonus to your bravery for every ten or whatever. Um, but what if you is that is that the when is that the number on the page? Is what I'm asking when it says bravery characteristic, because like Harrison's army, he's 
he comes from what Yometrica or whatever it is, and they all get a plus two to their bravery. Like the whole army gets a plus two to its bravery just from being from that city. Um, so if it's naturally a bravery seven and now it's a nine, my question is: he be rolling a nine or under? Oh, so it is. It's the it's the characteristic. Not is there is there a way to different? I always get confused, like whether it's the modified or unmodified characteristic when they talk about these things. Am I missing something that's really obvious? Is I mean, it's not a bold. If it doesn't specify unmodified, it can't be modifiable. There you go. That's what I needed to know. Cool. Harrison, your army's even stupid better. Um, okay. Uh, well, it's certain parts of the army being stupid better yeah. <laughs> for terms of healing. So, like, this is where some people say, well, it's just, you know, it's Hero Hammer because you look at the monsters. Cause the heroes that are monsters get the heroic recovery. They get the monstrous rampages, as we'll talk about. But... That only works some of the time, and honestly, it doesn't. This isn't Hero Hammer. It's really not. It just looks that way on the onset because it's the easiest thing to default to. Well, and it's so. and it's and it's the it's the it's this it's a big obvious change. You Correct. see this, and you're like, wow, we didn't have this before. And of course, when you get something that's good that you didn't have before, everything you're broken. gonna want to play with it. It's broken. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's see. Hero phase command abilities. So it lists a, a command ability that you can use in the hero phase. This is the generic ones, right? This is, not, you know, obviously outside of the ones that are might be on your war scroll. And this, or in your allegiance abilities or whatever. Right, right. Uh, this one's called Rally. Use this at the start of the hero phase. The unit that receives this command must be more than three inches from all enemy units. Roll a die for each slain model in the unit. For each six, you can return a slain model to that unit. That's Okay, I know it's dependent on rolling sixes, but man, that's a. I mean, yeah. I, I'm just I'm just looking because it's return a model. It's not return wounds. So if you have two or three wound models, what about ogres? What about gargants? Oh, oh wait, that's stupid. Is it? Because then they'll only lose up to two models before the unit's dead, and then it's a one in six chance to bring one back. Oh, but that's it's true. a potential. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing th- that's you gotta pay saying. attention to. That's yeah. <laughs> but it's also if you have an army that does not have any native access to healing units, um, this gives you the ability to stay in the fight a little longer. Granted, it is very situational because you have to be not engaged in the hero phase. Um Still, and you have to have a command point available, and then it's dependent on sixes. There's a lot of like initial reactions, like a oh, well, MSU, multiple small units, is going to be the way of the game. Rally doesn't really work that well for multiple small units. Nope. Works really well for big units. My zombies are never going to die. They're never going. I have no, to get these nice ones painted. I have to get these nice ones painted, and then I got to go out and just buy loads of zombies. I'm doing zombies again, Alex. Not a thousand though. Lord. This army, this game, you won't need a thousand. But I'm probably you know, no. I think I'll still probably buy more than I need because I do things like that. <laughs> oh, and the new zombies are amazing. Oh, that's besides yeah. the point. I don't know why they're carrying their grave around on their back. That's not the point. They're still so much better than the old zombies. 
All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Movement phase. In your movement phase, pick a friendly unit that's more than three inches from enemy units and declare it will make a normal move or run. Okay. We uh, or you can go and retreat. Okay. We, okay. So it explains what a normal move is, what a retreat is, and what running is. I don't think we need to go into that in too much detail. Yeah, we do. Oh, we do. Oh, uh, we'll go There's for it. There's a little box out under retreat that says you can either choose for a unit to run or choose for it to retreat. It cannot do both. Okay, so when you retreat, you can't do you can't. Okay. So if you're a fire slayer and your movement is four, you back out four inches. Oh, could you used to run and retreat when you retreated? Mm-hmm. Interesting. You used to be able to run and retreat. Now you can't. Aha. Okay, well that's an important rule that I totally missed. See, that's why it's good we're doing this. So okay, um, there's some movement phase command abilities. On the double. And these are important. On the double, uh, after you declare they'll run, the unit will receive the command. The run roll is not made. Instead, you just add six inches. So you basically and it's at, considered two of his run. Yeah, so at the double means you just it, you count as rolling a six for your run roll. Okay. Re-de- yeah, the important thing with there is that it's the timing. Because it used to be after you saw the value, you could change it to a six. Now you just have to say, nope, I just want a six, and you have to do it before. You don't roll at all. Right. Okay. So you have to declare your intent before you do it, as opposed to seeing what the result was and then modifying it. Oh, uh, yeah, because maybe if I, did, you know, I, I need at least a four. Oh, I didn't get it. I'm just going to use the command ability. Now you got to waste that point right up front. <laughs> yeah. Redeploy. Um, this one I liked. I saw this. I was like, oh, this is crazy. So this is in the enemy movement phase. After an enemy unit fishes, finishes a normal move, a run, or a retreat. So you move one of your units. The unit that receives the command must be within nine inches of that enemy and more than three inches from enemy units. So I, I, that can't be within considered in combat range, which is within three inches. But I, got, I can't be any more than nine away. I can make a D6 inch move with that unit that receives the command, but it must finish more than three inches away from all enemy units and cannot shoot later in the turn. This is really cool. You're moving. Mm-hmm. You get within nine of me. I can redeploy, which means I can I can go D6 and I can move away from you. Or I can actually move right up next to you if I wanted to. Um, if I want to try to screen or block. I mean, I'm redeploying. I am... This is exciting to me because now I can where I am on the battlefield and what I'm doing and where I'm screening and all I can make adjustments there with a command and you can only like I said once again you can only use a command on one unit uh, once per phase so you can only redeploy one unit but that could be really big (laughs) yeah the other thing is if you're trying to back away from somebody um, with the D6 move. Uh, and the reason why the caveat here is you cannot shoot later in the turn is the Unleash Hell command ability, which we'll get to in the attack phase. Right. Um, you cannot do Unleash Hell because you cannot shoot because okay. you redeployed. Makes sense. So. I was later in the turn. I want to make sure I explain that little caveat. Yeah. Oh, okay, because, yeah, I was going to say, well, you wouldn't shoot later in the turn because it's not your turn, but unleash hell means you can. Okay. So. Yes. Makes sense. Okay. 
All right, so we're up to movement phase. Uh, is there stuff we need to talk about over here? Not particularly. Um, it's just re-explaining what we already know. It just adds new words like explaining the path and everything like that. So it's just additional rules and clarification for how models move. That's as all. long as it doesn't pass through other models or over the edge of the battlefield, and as long as the length of the path is not greater than the distance, it's allowed to move. Okay, fair enough. Uh, unit coherency, we already explained. Uh, after you have moved, all the models must be coherent. If it's impossible for a unit to be coherent after it's moved, you cannot move that unit. So you can't purposely move out of coherency and be like, well, I'll just have to lose some models later. You have to stay, you have to stay coherent when you move. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, you can choose to remain stationary. And I, this is something that's a little different, isn't it? Like They've added the move zero. Yeah. So you, you just made it made it a thing. Yeah, you can choose to remain stationary. If you do so, you can't move the models, but none of them are considered to have made a movement that face. Okay. Uh, terrain, you can go over terrain features, but not through them. When you move a model, so if it's solid, like you can move over a, like a hill or over like kind of through a forest, obviously. Um, but if, especially a lot of the war cry terrain, Mm -hmm. uh, now basically, you know, if it's if it's a three inch high piece of terrain, you can move one inch up to it, three inches up, and then one inch is over and be on top of the piece of terrain now. And coherency is still you can be on the ground and up there. You just have to be within six and within one you know one horizontal and six uh, vertical. Vertical. Yep. I like this. I like that they're explaining all of this, and I like that now we understand how it is for moving up and down stuff. Uh, flying, we all know how to fly. Um, you can basically go over anything. You just can't finish your move, run, or retreat within three inches of an enemy unit just because you fly over them. Um, mm -hmm. Some abilities require a model that can fly to pass across another model. For it to pass across, the path of the model's move must be traced across part of the other model's base, which is simple enough to do. Mm -hmm. Um Okay, so now we're up to the shooting phase. Look at us. We're, we're, we're rolling through this, Alex. We're on number rule number 10 of, oh, my dear Lord, we're on rule number 10 of 30? <laughs> no. Yeah. No, rule number 10 of 28. Okay, so, all right. So, and they're not all rules. They're right. points. Um, so. A couple of interesting things. You can shoot. You know, if, you're, if your enemy can shoot, you shoot with all your shooting attack things. When you make a shooting attack, it attacks with any missile weapons it has. If a unit's within three inches of an enemy unit, it can only target enemy units within three inches. So if it's within mult, if it's within three inches of multiple units, it can pick the unit. Right. Yes. So if I'm in combat with your unit and the other unit is two inches away from me and I'm not necessarily in combat with them, oh, I would be considered in combat with them, wouldn't I? Because if you're within Correct. three inches, you're considered within combat. Okay, so I can pick any unit if I'm within multiple units. But this way, this, this, this takes away the whole, I'm fighting you, but I'm shooting that guy halfway across the board nonsense. Yeah, that's from the Wild West days. Yep. And then there's Lookout, Sir. Minus one to hit a hero if he's within three inches of one of his units that has three or more models. 
unless mm-hmm. he's got 10 or more wounds. If you've got 10 or more wounds, you're considered really big and you can't hide behind normal dudes. Correct. That's cool. So it's my it, yeah, and I like it's just minus 1 to hit me. It's not I'm passing wounds off onto the unit if I take them. It's just hey, it's harder to hit me if I'm right by a regular unit cuz they're sort of well, they're telling me to look out and jumping in the way. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we're on the charge phase. You cannot shoot if it ran or retreated. Okay. Um, you cannot charge if you ran or retreated earlier in the turn or if it's within three inches of an enemy unit. So if, oh, if you run, you can't charge? Unless you have a rule that says otherwise, in which case that oh, would that's override. Right. Run and charge. Right, 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 right. I'm sorry. That's always been the rule. One. <laughs> Okay, so in your charge phase, pick a unit within 12 inches of an enemy and attempt to charge. Roll 2d6. We all know how this works. Um, you got to end within a half inch of the enemy unit. If that's impossible, then you can't charge. You don't have to declare what unit you're charging. You just have to say you're charging if you're within 12, and then once you roll, you can kind of pick whoever you can reach, right? Am I correct with this? Mm-hmm. Cool. It does not say you have to charge a specific enemy unit. Oh, in fact, in the gray box, it says you do not have to pick a target for the charge attempt. It says it right there mm-hmm. in the box. Uh, thank you, gray box. You're welcome, Dave. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> charge face command... Wow, I'm an idiot. All right, so yep. in... Uh, after I make a charge roll... Okay, I can use this command ability after I make a charge roll. Okay, so forward to victory, I can use a command ability to re-roll my charge roll, basically. It doesn't automatically make it a number, but I can roll it if I don't like it. And then here's the Unleash Hell. Explain this. (laughs) So you use this after an enemy unit finishes a charge move. So that means you have to end within half an inch um, and move models, whatever. Uh, The unit that receives the command must be within nine inches of that enemy unit. So that means you can cover fire uh, for one of your friends. Because you still got to be more than three inches away. So it's not the unit that's being charged. It's not From like... all other enemy units. All enemy units. Okay. So it's not like Overwatch where if you charge me, I can shoot you. It's at No, the... I can shoot you if you charge me. Oh, all other, other enemy units. Okay. Oh, so if you charge me, I can still shoot. Okay. Okay. I get it. And the unit that receives the command can shoot in that phase, but you subtract one from hit rolls. And it can only target the unit that made the charge move. So I'm minus one to hit, but if I have something that gives me a bonus and I can apply it, that's still I could I could actually still if I have right, bonus. You can still zero out. Okay. I can't go more than plus or minus one because it's a hit roll. But there's mm-hmm. other modifiers that can happen in there. Okay, cool. Yeah, Unleash Hell's gonna be kind of could be brutal. Yeah, it it has the potential, but the, again, you're only going to have X many command points per turn. Right. So it requires a lot more planning to do this. Yeah, I, I'm I'm already seeing that my that I, there's a lot of use of command points, and they're actually at a premium, and you really have to sort of know what you're doing and not waste them. Yeah, and there are some armies that don't have a lot of access to shooting, such as like I don't know, Night Hunt. I have none. Yeah. Well, you do, you have some. You just oh, don't true. usually see it. But right. the thing is, it's like okay, if I can't take unleash hell, you could do boohoo, woe is me, or you can say, well, I'm using those command points for other things. Right. And I don't even have to consider this as an option. Whereas if I do have access to unleash hell, 
I suddenly have a lot more things to consider with my command points and what is more important. So there's an up and down to having access to this one. So uh, then we get into the combat phase. One of the things I like here is when you, you, you have to fight or pass. Okay, And at first I was like, oh, you can pass? You don't have No, it says, it says right in here, if your guy is eligible to fight, he has to fight. Okay? Mm-hmm. So you can't, like, I remember playing a game once, and uh, this was back in, in first edition, and someone was attacking me with a Lariel, and I had my, uh, my Stormcast Lord on the Dracoth. And I had him with his, you know, he had the the command where he got the plus one to his save. So he was, he, basically I had a two-up save, and then I had that thunder shield thing mm-hmm. where if uh, if you hit me and uh, I got to roll, and if my save roll was a certain thing, I actually did a mortal wound back to you. Like I saved really good. If you successfully made the re-roll. Yeah, if I successfully made that re- that roll, yeah. Um. I remember in that game, he's just like, I'm not attacking you. And I'm like, why? He's like, because I can't get through your armor, and then anything that does get through, you've been rolling and saving and and putting wounds back on me, and I, I just, I'm choosing not to fight. And th- that you cannot do that anymore. You have to fight, which right. makes sense. I mean, this is a game about going to war. You're not going to be like, oh, I don't think I'm going to fight you, because that makes no sense in this game. So... Uh, if you pass, that means you have no other. Uh, basically, passing is just when you're done, you declare pass, and once, pretty much, once you declare pass, then your opponent. That's just you're saying I have no other attacks I can do, and then it goes to your opponent. Um, makes sense. It's just another term they're adding. Uh, mm-hmm. I like the pylon has changed. It's much simpler now. Uh, you just you have to finish the move no further from the nearest enemy unit than it was at the start of your move. Which now means you can kind of shuffle around the unit. It's not going to the closest model. It's going to no farther away from the unit. So if you want to, those guys in the back that can't reach can slide sideways to get closer and get more guys into combat. Um, This was a much needed rule change. And it's much simpler. Yeah, it just makes it so much easier. Um. Mm -hmm. After you make your pylon, you make your com. So strike first and strike last effects. Uh, some abilities. And they specifically took this time to box out that this is one of those contradictory things that is a big deal with a lot of armies now. Uh-huh. So they're trying to make sure that it is as crystal clear as it should be. So this goes through. Uh, some have an effect that allow you to fight at either the start or end of the phase. These are called strike first, strike last effects. Uh, the rules section um, that we already covered do not apply to those effects. Use the rules here instead. 161 to 163, just to make sure that you know what it's saying that doesn't affect it. I'm going to run back there real quick and make sure that we talk about that. That's the abilities, the simultaneous effects, and the contradictory effects. So strike first and strike last, that doesn't affect that. This is something different. So um, if a strike first effect applies to units, those units fight before all other units. If strike last applies, those units fight after all other units fight. Um, If strike first applies to units from both players' armies, the players alternate fighting with those units, starting with the player whose turn it is. Same with strike last. So if we both have strike first, we just have to use all of them first, but we still go back and forth. 
then you have the normal fighting. Mm-hmm. Then if we have both have strike last, we go back and forth. Af- those are the, they have to fight after everyone else has fought. If a strike, and if you have a strike last and a strike first on the same unit, then they cancel out. Okay, so if I've got a strike first and you throw something on me that makes you strike last, I just fight normal. Correct. Hoorah. Okay, I think we're good with that, right? Yes. Okay. Um, let's see. You attack with all your weapons that you're armed with. Uh, missile weapons are shooting. Melee weapons are coming. Blah, blah, blah. Pick a target. It uh, talks about shooting attacks. Um you got to check the range. It's got to be a visible model. Closest targets are measured to the closest visible model in the target unit. Okay. Um, some missile weapons have minimum range. This is all basic stuff, I think, so far. Uh, combat attacks with all the melee weapons. Targets must be within a number of inches of the target attack. The number of attacks is... Now, this goes into that make them one at a time unless you're making combined attacks, obviously. Uh, if a weapon has an attack characteristic of more than one, you can split the attacks between target units. So, okay. Uh, some models are armed with two of the same weapon, often referred to as paired weapons. When this is the case, the attack characteristics will already take the extra weapon into account or the model will have an ability to repre- represent the dual wielding. Okay, making it very clear. You can make combined attacks if all the attacks are by models in the same unit with the same weapon against the same target unit and where the same rerolls and modifiers. So basically, it's, it's what we already know. If you're all making the same attack, you don't have to roll separately for each model. You can roll a bunch of dice. Correct. You can roll a bucket O dice. Mm-hmm. Um, so use the hit roll, wound roll, save roll. Save rolls do not always succeed on an unmodified six, and they can be modified more than negative one. So your save roll... Okay, wait a minute. Oh, because of rend and stuff like that. Okay. Is that basically the same rules as before? Am I, am I incorrect here? Yeah, so this is like the old rules of one, where the hit or wound roll of a one always fails, and the hit or wound roll of a six always succeeds. Um... They do add on here, is that a save roll cannot be modified by more than plus one? It can be modified by more than negative one, though. Oh, because red. Yeah, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, look at that. Okay, so my save can only ever get one better, but it can get a hell of a lot worse. That actually yes. makes a lot of sense. As I mean, that makes sense as far as if you think about combat. You know, I can't make it much better... But there's always someone much bigger than you that can make things really worse. Okay. Hey, at least it's not raining. Right. You know, that kind of thing. So, uh, let's see. Damage. Allocate wounds. You have to keep doing it to the same model and same. I think that's the same as everything is before, right? Correct. And then here's the special command abilities that you can use during the attacks. Um, when you pick a friendly unit to shoot in your shooting phase or fight in your combat phase, so you can actually use this on one unit in the shooting phase and one unit in the combat phase because they're different phases. Different phases. Okay. Um, plus one to hit. There you go. Okay. All out attack each plus one to hit. All out defense, right. you can use it when they're picked as a target of an attack in the shooting or the combat phase. It's plus one save. 
yeah, the important safety feature here is that when you pick to fight with them or when you are picked as a target as opposed to having to do it at the start of that phase. Oh, that's yes. Okay, so and that's better because with, with the way that the command abilities and the command points have changed, you don't want to have to take a wild guess and give these guys a bonus if they don't need it. The command points are at a premium. You get to use it when you pick them or when you are picked. That makes sense. And important safety feature, you cannot use all-out defense when you get shot from Unleash Hell. Because it has to be in the shooting or combat phase, not the charge phase. Aha! Nice! Okay, so what else we got here? Uh, Wounds. Uh, When you allocate wounds, you allocate them one at a time. You can allocate them as you see fit. However, once you've allocated to a model, you can't go to other models until that model's dead. If a unit's destroyed, all wounds that remain to be allocated or negated have no effect. That's basic rule stuff here. Um, once the wounds allocated equals the wound characteristic is slain, you can't add more to it. Say basically, some abilities allow you to return slain models, and it tells you how to return them. Ooh, they they call them ward saves again. Yay! Yeah, and for clarity, the ward save is any save that would negate a wound before allocation. So, if you have, let's say, a on your war skull, you have a five up um, negate a wound or mortal wound, and then you have a bat a uh, allegiance ability that gives you a six up to ignore a wound or mortal wound. You only get one of those, but those are the examples of like ward saves. So you can only pick. So you get your normal save, and then you get your normal your normal save on your war skull, right? And then you can can have one extra save one ward save so like with my night haunt my six up death save yeah that's, or if you're that's a, a ward executioner right? you have a five up to ignore okay um and then you have the death allegiance ability for um spirits you can only pick either five or six right so you'll take the one that's the best for you but you don't get to exactly. you're not going to get three or four or five like like what is it wasn't that didn't they have that skaven vermin lord that had like a thousand yes. saves yeah so mm-hmm. that's gone, thank goodness. That was annoying. Um, you can heal wounds. Um, for each wound that is healed, reduce the number of wounds allocated to a model by one to a minimum of zero. You cannot heal wounds on a model that's slain. Blah, blah, blah. Mortal wounds. This is That hasn't changed either, I don't think, so we're good there. Nope. Uh, battle shock phase. Take a battle shock test. Uh, I don't think that's changed, has it? Nope. All right, so that's the same split units. If a friendly unit is not coherent at the end of the turn, you must remove models one at a time until the unit's coherent. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and you have one ability you can use in the battle shock phase, inspiring presence. Use the command ability at the start of the phase. The unit that receives the command does not have to take a battle shock test. So inspiring presence, one unit, no battle shock test. And then you get to the end of the battle round. Yeah, but it's only one unit. One unit. Not- yeah, so it's it's not an area change. effect. Yeah, that is a big change, isn't it? All right, and that's 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 the battle rounds. Now there's still about eleven points worth of rules here, but it's this is other stuff. So should we jump into some of this? Yes. All right, uh, terrain rules represented by scenery pieces called terrain features. Battle pack will tell you about it. 
Sometimes a rule required to determine if a model is wholly on a terrain feature. A model is wholly on a terrain feature if the base is touching it and no part of the base extends beyond the edge of the terrain feature. If the model doesn't have a base, it's wholly on it if it's touching the terrain feature and no part of it extends beyond the edge of the terrain feature. So if you come up to a wall, as long as I'm touching the wall, am I wholly on it? It's wholly on a terrain feature if it's touching the feature and no part of the space extends beyond the edge. So, no, you are not on it. Okay. If you touch it. Okay. So... Uh, a lot of that war cry terrain, you're not on terrain if you're just against the wall because you can't be on it. You're just against it. You're behind terrain. So that's where it is. That's where you're beh- considered mm-hmm. behind terrain. Yes. It, okay. So if the tar- that's behind terrain now, uh, oh, terrain that's too small to have an effect is called scattered terrain. It's purely decorative and you can ignore it. Oh, so little bits and bobs that you toss around to make them look nice and the little gray box calls it scattered terrain, which is nice because you're like, mm-hmm. oh, this is just nothing. Okay. So you're considered behind terrain if the target unit is more than three inches from the attacking unit, if all the models in the target unit are within an inch of a terrain feature, if it's impossible for the attacker to draw a straight line from the closest point of a model in the attacking unit to the closest point of a model in the target unit without passing across terrain feature. So you can behind the wall. Um, Now it says it has to be within an inch of the terrain feature. But then in the picture on the bottom, it says the unit by the terrain feature is in cover from the model in front, but not in the back. But it doesn't look like the second row, or maybe the second row is. So those are zombies, and those are 25 millimeter rounds? That's a little over an inch, though, isn't it? It's a little less than an inch. A little less than an inch. So, okay, the second. Now, if there was a third row of zombies, though, that unit would not they be would in cover. They would not be behind, Yeah. Okay, so you can't put a horde behind a little wall and be like, you can't, I've got cover, because it's like, nope, okay. Okay, interesting. Uh, faction terrain as a war scroll, terrain features of scenery rules, you're in cover if you're wholly on a terrain feature or behind a terrain feature. Okay, so you get cover if you're behind or wholly on. You get plus one to save rolls. If you Unless you're 10 or more wounds. And then you don't get cover because you're just too big. Or made a charge move. Oh, yeah, you can't have cover if you're charging because obviously you're charging. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's where it gets interesting. Uh, defensible terrain uh, are structures that it's possible for entire units to enter and defend, such as intact buildings or fortifications like towers or bastions. Defensible terrain can be garrisoned, and that's coming up next. You can't move models over a defensible terrain feature unless they can fly, and you cannot move into a defensible terrain feature unless it is garrisoning the terrain feature, and that's going to come up in a bit. Um, they got rules for large and very large terrain. Uh, if it's more than 12 inches up, or more than 12 inches up to 19 inches across at the widest point, it's large terrain. Um, if it's more than 19 inches, it's very large terrain. Um, defensible terrain features can be garrisoned by more models than normal. Uh, if a battle pack you're using for a specific, or for a battle specifies the number of terrain features, each large terrain counts as two, very large counts as four. Oh, so if you're going to put a freaking ziggurat in the middle of your board, um, that might count as more than one terrain feature. Okay. Yeah, and that's for their recommendation size, like how many pieces of terrain you should have on a board like a very large would count as four of those eight or whatever okay 
Um, so then the Wildwoods targets uh, targets that lie within them are concealed from sight by thick foliage. If they're formed into a circle with the area of open ground inside, the area of open ground is considered to be part of the Wildwood terrain. Okay. Um, all right, cool. So basically the Wildwood terrain, basically it's saying you put that thing in a circle and if you can get inside it, you're in, you're in the terrain, even though that's not a base in there. Okay. Yeah, and it's any forest and wood it is considered a Wildwood. Okay, so if I have the old GW forest, which is that base with the three trees on it, if I get everyone mm-hmm. on that base, I'm in the forest. Okay. So let's talk about now. This is this is the rules. I think a lot of people have been waiting for garrisoning. And I don't Wildwood mean, isn't done yet. Oh, Wildwood isn't done yet. Okay, go ahead. What did I miss? So visibility to or from wounds with ten or more, or visibility to or from models with a wounds characteristic of ten or more is not blocked by Wildwood. It used to be fly. Now it's just ten or more wounds. So if I can fly, I can still fly right into the Wildwood and, and be blocked. So your pigeons can fly in there and, and still be uh, hidden. Yes, and for those wondering what those are, those are Stormcast Eternal Prosecutors. Um, <laughs> but it's now just models with a wounds characteristic of 10 or more, regardless if it's a behemoth or if it flies or whatever. It's just if your wounds characteristic is 10, Wildwoods do not matter. Keeping it simple. Uh, okay. So now we got to garrisoning units. You can garrison defensible terrain features. Up to 60 models can garrison a very large terrain feature, 30 models in a large, and 15 can garrison other defensible terrain features. So now if you have little towers or full buildings like the old Warhammer terrain, you can put guys in them again. Mm -hmm. You can't go in if you have 10 or more wounds. Um... Units and models garrisoning a terrain feature are in that terrain feature's garrison. Okay. Uh, During deployment, you can be set up in a defensible terrain garrison if it's wholly within an area in which friendly units can be set up. In addition, a friendly unit can garrison it uh, instead of making a normal move if all the models are within six inches of the terrain feature and no enemy models are in the terrain feature's garrison. So... If I'm within, if I, I move them up, I'm wholly within six. Then on my next turn, I can garrison it. Right? That's what it has Correct. to be. Okay. Units that garrison a terrain feature are removed from the battlefield and are assumed to be inside the terrain feature. Friendly units must treat terrain features that are being garrisoned by enemy units as if they were enemy models. So I can't just move within three of a building that an enemy's garrisoned, because the rules are you can't just move within three of an enemy unit. You have to charge. Mm-hmm. It. Okay. Minus one to hit and plus one to save. For units in a garrison, Uh, range and visibility are determined using the terrain feature instead of the models. Okay. You can leave the garrison at the end of your movement phase, set up all the models within six inches of the terrain, more than three inches from enemy units. You cannot join and leave a garrison on the same turn. And then if you demolish a defensible terrain feature, as we know, like the big big, uh, Sons of Bayamot can do, all units garrisoning it must leave. It's no longer defensible. If a defensible terrain feature is being garrisoned when it's demolished, roll a die for each model on a one. That model is slain. Surviving models must be set up within six inches of the terrain feature and more than three inches from enemy units. So what happens if it's demolished and there's a, like, it's fighting? I'm fighting or there's a unit right in there. I, I, is, do they die? 
So if you so here's the thing when it comes to demolish, you have to look at what's the example for demolish, and you look at Smash to Rubble, which okay. is one of the monstrous rampages. Um, and the monstrous rampage goes at the end of the charge phase. So you pick a terrain feature or defensible terrain feature within three inches and roll a die, and on a three up, it's demolished if it was defensible. So it's at the end of the charge phase. It's def- it's destroyed. You resolve the damage, and then you push them out. And they have to be more than three inches away from all enemy units when they come out. So what if I have units that are three and a half? Like, okay, you got a building. My guy rushes up at the end of the charge phase. The movement phase, I've got them just outside of three inches on the one sides, you know? Guy comes up on the other side. He's within three. He demolishes the building. There's nowhere they can go that is more than three inches away from all enemy units. Do they die? I mean, what if you cannot physically fulfill the requirements of leaving the building that's been garrisoned? I'm assuming they're slain. It doesn't say here. Yeah, I'm fairly confident it should be slain. Okay. We're not certain, but we think. Okay, good deal. Uh, objectives, objective markers, the battle plan will explain how they're used. When measuring distance, measure from the center. If it's placed on the border between two territories, it's considered to be within both of them. Uh, you gain control of objectives that are within six inches of any friendly models and more than six inches from enemy models. In addition, at the end of each turn, after the battle shock phase, you must check to see if you have gained control of any objectives. To do so, count the number of friendly models that are contesting each objective. You gain control if there are more friendly models contesting than enemy models. Once you gain control, it remains under your control till the opponent gains control of it. So you gain control that are within six inches of any friendly models and more than six inches. Okay, so I gain control automatically if you're not within six inches of it and I am. If we both are, then it's whoever has then it's contested, whoever has more gets control of it. Am I mm-hmm. correct? Okay. Uh, okay. To contest it, if a friendly unit has models within six inches of two or more objectives, you must pick an objective for them to contest. Unless noted otherwise, monsters are five models, and a model with the wounds characters of five or more that's not a monster counts as two models, but that's unless otherwise specified, because I know ogres count as more than two and... Some monsters count, like, Sons of Bamot count as, like, 100,000 or something like that. 10 or 20, yeah. Yeah, but might as well be. And then it talks about terrain control. This is all pretty basic stuff. Then we get into wizards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Cast spells you know, unbind spells, arcane bolt. They all know arcane bolt and mystic shield and all the spells in the war scroll and the war scrolls of endless spells. Uh, has anything really changed here? There is the miscast. There is the miscast. Unmodified deuce. So if you roll if you roll snake eyes, miscast. I am so glad the miscast has come back. And it's unmodified. So if you have a plus one or plus two to cast, mm-hmm. and you still roll snakes. You're snakes is snakes. You roll them, you're done. Uh, you can't. Mm-hmm. So you take D three mortals, and you're done casting. For that phase, which if you only have one or two spells is not that bad. 
if you have four or five or seven because you're some sort of superhero, uh, that can really mess up your day. Yes. But uh, uh, them's the breaks. Um, I've seen already a couple of people very annoyed because they like to play with Nagash and he's really spell dependent and very expensive. And if you double one on the first spell, he's basically useless and Dems to breaks. That's magic. Um, if you want to have no chance at miscasting, you know, play techless. Nobody wants to do that. No, I get but, that, but you know what I'm saying? No, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's one a of those thing things that it happens. Like you're, you're providing a check to some of these models that get kind of out of control um, with their spell slinging. So it's a 1 in 36 chance every time you roll it. It's not anything crazy. And uh, if you're just starting playing, or if you just started playing in Age of Sigmar, I'd just like to remind people that back in 8th edition, you miscast on a 2 or a 12. Remember that? <laughs> Yep, there's a 2 or a 12, and then there was a table that you then had to roll on, and it depended on what type of wizard that you had, which table you rolled on, and then it was a various smattering of bad things. All I remember is if you rolled that, and then you rolled, I think it was a 2 to a 4? 2 to 4. You would get sucked into the warp, which meant your model was dead. So if you miscast, your model could be dead. Uh, yeah, and, it was you roll a dice after you rolled the two to four, and on a one to three you died, but on a four up you put a five inch diameter template on top of your wizard, and then all of the models in that that were touched by that template took a sh- like wounded on a two up. Yeah, and then there was a potential that your wizard would like do dam- no damage to himself. You did the yeah. template. It was the template, and then you may or may not go down the hole. Right, and there was some other things too that happened, but it was brutal. I, 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 I'd have to go back. I don't remember exactly. I think it was. I know it was at least the first eight times. It might have been more than that because Chris, you was dying. Uh, when I first started playing vampire counts, and the, and the army and the rule came in, this rule, I sucked into the warp like eight times in like eight spells in a row. Like I had the one big wizard. And boom, he got sucked in the warp. And then I was like, oh, terrible. And then my next wizard sucked in the warp. It was like, it, we figured out the odds were something like 1 in 11,000 that I could do this. And I just kept sucking guys into the warp. It was like at least eight. And it was all in a row. It was just ridiculous. Where it, was, it, was, it went over like a course of three or four games where I just sucked. Every time I cast a spell, I got sucked into the warp. So this... This isn't nearly as bad, uh, but it still is something that that'll happen to you. So, let's see. Unbinding is still similar, I believe. Uh, spells are still similar. Arcane bolt is a little different, I think. Is it a little different? They're both different. Um, so they both cast on a five. Okay. Um, and bolt is only a twelve-inch range instead of eighteen. Okay. Um, so for this one, it's you cast it. Oh, and then. At the start of any phase before your next hero phase, you get to pick an enemy unit within range invisible. They take a mortal wound. But if you're within three inches of the unit when you let it fly, they take D3 mortal wounds instead. 
that's really cool. I love that it works, and I'm just sitting there holding it. Like I'm waiting mm-hmm. to call it down anytime before my next hero face, which could be a while and could be where I got a guy down to just, you know, you get it. This is going to really be a way that you can hold on to that until you need that last extra wound or two to finish off a unit or a character. The Arcane yes. Bolt just became, I think, m- way more useful. It did, but then it's, all, it's more flexible and it's providing more incentive for your wizards to get into combat or it's incentive for your characters to avoid, for your opponent to avoid your wizards. Mm-hmm. So you can use this double edge. Um, I think it's really cool. I think, like, the example I have is, like, if you ever watch anime like Yu Yu Hakusho with the spirit gun, it's the same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You can either shoot it or when you get really close, it just goes off even more. Alex Um, making an anime reference. What happened? Dude, I love Yu Yu Hakusho. It's a good show, but I'm just, I'm surprised. Um, (laughs) Mystic Shield has gone back to being plus one to save and not reroll your ones, which I like. Yeah. And then it's a cast value of five instead of six. Easier to do. And it's only a 12-inch range. But it's not wholly within 12. It's just 12. Arcane Bolt. Correct me if I'm wrong, but don't Nagash's rules say he can throw that as often as he wants, as many times as he wants? So I'm not saying he could walk in and do 8d3 mortal wounds um, if he gets it to go off eight times and just watch you cry. But he could. He could. So, you know, he could also roll two ones and, you know, then he's done. But here's, so, okay, let's say I'm doing that. Let me, here's, here, let me throw this other question out to you. He's got his seven spells he casts. He throws four arcane bolts, right? It's f- eight. Okay, eight. But he throws four arcane bolts, all mm-hmm. successful. The fifth arcane bolt miscasts. So that one fails, and he's done casting. But those first four arcane bolts, they're still they're there, right? Like, you don't lose yes. them. All right, good. I'm in. All right, cool. Yeah, he's so bad. So, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> uh, endless spells. Uh, summoning up an endless spell, you can attempt to summon one with each friendly wizard. When the spell is used to summon an endless spell, is successfully cast and not unbound. You set it up on the battlefield. Has, has this changed? Um, the other thing is um, you can attempt to dispel them with friendly priests. Hard stop. Okay. Because it used to be only certain ones could stop it. Now it's just if you have a priest, you have a way to unbind an endless spell. Oh, and it's at the start of each hero phase, each player. So you can and I can at the start of each of our hero phases. And each wizard can do it, right? Mm-hmm. So before you could only attempt one guy could attempt to dispel one, and like you got one attempt at an oh, endless spell. Actually, timeout. Okay. Um, the same player cannot attempt to dispel the same endless spell more than once per phase. Okay, but if there's multiple endless spells on the board, I can have multiple wizards trying to attempt multiple endless spells. Before you can only do the one. I thought. I thought. Maybe I'm wrong. They just attempt to cast or unbind one fewer spell. Yeah. So it counts. It, it it counts as your cast or un, one of your cast or unbind, depending on whose turn it is in that mm-hmm. turn. Okay, cool. Uh, pick. But a, most wizards only know they have one spell. Right. Pick one that's within thirty. That's a pretty good uh, roll. Two d six, and if it's greater than the casting value, so it's not what you cast it on, but whatever mm-hmm. this whatever the spell cost to cast. Okay. 
Uh, endless spell remains in play till it's removed. That's if it's dispelled, touches the edge of the battlefield, or a method on the war scroll removes it from play. Okay, cool. And then it talks about unit of wizards. If a unit with the wizard keyword has more than one model, it counts as a single wizard, and you must pick one model in the unit which will cast or unbind the spell before you attempt to cast or unbind it. Uh, determine the range. So, like with the with the uh, realm lords, it's that it, there's a, there, they name us. It's like the unit champion is the is the wizard. It actually spe- specifies Correct. that. So, okay, cool. Um, predatory endless spells. This hasn't changed that much, really. Or it has a little bit, doesn't it? It, it does yeah, talk about which it, are controlled and which are wild. Yeah, the predatory has this additional thing where it's like the ones that they control they just move on their own like they get the option to just move it um if it's a wild spell which means that it has no one controlling it then it kind of then it does oh then it goes back to alternating right okay and if you do the controlled ones first and then you do alternating it's a predatory endless spell that's within 30 of the model that summoned it is controlled by that model. If I summon up one endless spell this turn, and then the next turn I summon up another one, and they're both within 30, I only con- I got to pick which one I control, though. Okay. Correct. Uh, after determining control, the player whose turn is taking place moves uh, all of the predatory endless spells controlled by friendly wizards. Then their opponent does the same thing. Once all controlled spells are moved, the players alternate picking one wild spell to move, starting with the player whose turn is taking place until... Well, this is just assuming there's a lot of endless spells on the board. I've never seen this happen, but I suppose it could. That would Mm -hmm. be crazy. All right, so that's uh, spells. Priests. Uh, Each priest can chant one prayer in the hero phase. Priests know bless and smite. In addition, they know all prayers on their war scroll and... On the War Scrolls of Invocations in the same army as them. And on the War Scrolls of Invocations in the same... What so is, that's the Endless Prayers. Okay. Uh, what is that? For anyone who doesn't The Invocation know. is the Endless Prayer. That is the uh, Corn Skulls, the Corn Axe. So you know all the, of them now. You don't have to just... like If there's a list of prayers that a priest can know, a lot of times they just pick one of the prayers. Now they know all of them? Yes. Oh. You still have to pay for them. Oh, okay. Uh, in your hero phase, you can chant a prayer with a priest. You can't chant the same prayer more than once in the same hero phase, even with a different priest. Uh, Pricket, do the chanting roll. If the chanting roll is equal. Okay, there you go. Uh, basically, the same stuff. On an unmodified chanting roll of one, you suffer divine wrath. You take a mortal wound, and your prayer's not answered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah the big thing is there's a lot of uh, war scrolls out there that have the priest keyword that really couldn't do anything before um, because they didn't have a list of prayer scripture or whatever in their army book now they do with the two generic prayers and they can also unbind endless spells wizards cannot stop prayers but priests can stop endless spells. So there's a little more of a power play with priests now as compared to wizards. Oh, okay. And because you cannot do the same prayer multiple times in the same phase, like you're not going to see three 
corn slaughter priests do d6 mortal wounds d6 mortal wounds d6 mortal wounds no but now they can you can take one of them and be like doesn't matter he's going to just take care of the endless spell because he'll he's going to lose his prayer if he does that correct interesting um then you got the two special prayers there's bless Goes off on a four, range of 12, pick a friendly unit wholly within that 12, and visible, and the unit has a ward of six plus. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smite goes on a two, has a range of 48 inches, pick an enemy priest that's visible. They take a mortal wound. If the chanting roll was a six or more, they take D3 mortal wounds instead of one. Oof. Okay. So, priests attacking other priests with their prayers. I kind of like that. It's literally targeting other priests. Now, if there isn't another priest across the table from you, then you just use bless or whatever your other stuff is. But I just like seeing the priest war. They're just calling, Mm -hmm. smiting down on each other. Okay. Uh, You want to explain the invocations? This is, is is this new? No, this has just been only in... The rules for armies that have access to those to the endless prayers. So that'd be like okay. daughters of Cain, um, fire slayers, and blades of corn. Now they've just taken those rules and put them in here. Okay. And priests. Okay, so uh, an invocation is an entity that's summoned on the battlefield by chanting a prayer on the invocation war scroll. Blah blah blah. In your hero phase, you can attempt to summon one invocation with each friendly priest. Uh, the invocation set up on the battlefield. At the start of your hero phase, you can banish an invocation with a friendly priest instead of chanting a prayer with that priest in the hero phase. The same player cannot attempt to banish the same invocation more than once per phase. Pick an invocation within 48 inches of him. Make a banishment roll. If the roll is greater than the answer value, it's banished. It cannot be summoned again in the turn it's removed from play. Priests can dispel endless spells and banish invocations, but wizards cannot attempt, can only disturb. So wizards can't banish invocations. Only priests can. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. The other thing is that when you set up an invocation, it's under control of the player who summoned it. It has nothing to do with this whole concept of predatory versus, or wild versus controlled. It's just hard stop under my control. Because you're not a wizard, you're a priest, and they have different rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, let's do a, just a little bit more because we've got still about 10, 12 pages left, but we're getting through it. Let's talk monsters, and then let's take a break because we've been going for about an hour. So let's yeah, talk some sure. monsters and take a break. Uh, if you've got a keyword monster, you're a monster. Uh, at the end of the charge phase, fl- whatever that is, at the end of the charge phase, each player can carry out one monster's rampage for each friendly... So every monster gets to do something. The player whose mm-hmm. turn is taking place carries out all of their monster's ramp- rampages first. You can't do the same monster's rampage more than once per phase, but you're not going to have more than four monsters on the table either, I don't think. Yeah, you can. Uh, oh, yeah. I, maybe not in matched play. Uh, maybe that's what yeah, I was thinking. Yeah, you can. Uh, it's for behemoths. Oh. So there are some armies like uh, Anvil Guard mm-hmm. for Cities of Sigmar where you can take Hydras and Charybdises. Or you can take Charybdises as battle line, um, but then they're no longer behemoths, but they still have the monster keyword. Got you. Um, 
You can't carry out the same monster strategies more than once per phase. So basically, you can only do up to four per phase. Because yeah, it's you, only in yeah. the charge phase. Okay. Uh, each at the end of the charge phase. Do they have to have charged? Did I miss that? No. It's no, just the end, just of, the the end okay. of the charge phase. So the rampages. First one is roar. Pick an enemy unit within three inches and roll a die on a three up. They cannot issue or receive commands in the following combat phase. Well, that makes sense. The monster's right there screaming. You're not getting commands. You're looking at the monster that's standing and screaming in your face. Mm-hmm. And there's Stomp, picking an enemy unit within three inches. That's not a monster. On a two-up, they take D3 mortal wounds. I remember Stomp. And look, there's the foot of Gork, or maybe Mork. Or Gork of Morka. Yeah. Um, you want to take the other ones? Sure. So Titanic Duel, you get to pick an enemy monster within three inches of this model and add one to hit rolls for attacks made by this model that targets that monster, um, which is pretty good. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Smash to Rubble. Um, we already went over this one with regards to the demolish rules, but you pick a faction terrain feature or a defensible terrain feature within three inches of the model and roll a die. And on a three up, it's demolished. Um, and the scenery rules on its war school cannot be used for the rest of the battle. If it was a faction terrain feature, um, this one, a lot of people have been complaining about be well, naturally nerds and change. Um, especially <laughs> for like things like gloom spike gets, where it's like, oh man, I can't uh, summon guys back out of it. I lose my battle shock immunity. Okay, so if you have a monster that close to your deployment zone in your ter- in your territory, you have other things to worry about besides its ability to destroy your house. True, um, or to blow up your pizza oven. So it's one of those things that's like it may not happen. Hey, you got to defend the pizza oven. You can't let nobody else near it. That's how that works. Exactly. Um, but if they're doing smash trouble, it's a three up as opposed to something like stomp or whatever the case may be. So it doesn't happen nearly as often as I think some people are worried it's going to happen, unless you're playing something with like forward uh, terrain features like Idaneth Gloom Tide Shipwrecks, Sylvaneth Wildwoods, the Bone Reaper uh, Pyramid thing. So, like anything that deploys outside of the outside of like a table edge restriction, that's much more in danger for being smashed to rubble. So, okay. Um. Yeah. <laughs> God, there's so much stuff going on. Okay. Um. The next thing is War Scrolls. I don't know how much of a change that stuff is on here, but we talk about some War Scrolls coming up. Uh, endless spells and invocation tables, battlefield rolls, a lot of this stuff. Eh, you know, it's, I think a lot of this stuff we'll get through pretty quick when we come back. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's, the, it's the battalions that are probably going to take a little more time to talk about. But let's take that break. Let's come back, and then we'll talk about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Grognards. That's right, friends. Grognard Games in Roselle, Illinois, and at grognardgames.com. 
They are now open daily from 12 to 7 for your gaming pleasure. Now, if you want, you can go into the store, find what you need. Not comfortable going into the store, even with a mask on? Call them up for curbside pickup. Or order online at grognardgames.com. They've got what you need. They've got Warhammer. They've got Dungeons and Dragons. They've got Marvel Crisis Protocol. They've got Battletech. They've got a huge pre-owned section. And you can find it on grognardgames.com or in the store. Now, you can't play in the store right now. Still got to have social distancing protocols. And if I got to stay more than six feet away from you, probably can't play a game of Magic. Probably going to be pretty difficult to play a game of Warhammer either. But you can still get all your hobby needs met at Grognards. Because as the world starts to reopen and your hobbying starts to take off again, you know you're going to need stuff. And you can find it at Grognards. And why? No why. Because there's always something happening at Grognards. We're back. We are back. Um... Going through the rest of the rules here. For those of you who uh, haven't played Age of Sigmar before, or those of you who haven't are just interested in what the changes are, being pretty thorough, doing the, the garage hammer way. Uh, but I think this is pretty interesting, and I actually understand the rules a lot better now that we're talking them through, so I hope everyone else is enjoying this too. Uh, let's see. You have a war scroll. It explains how the war scroll works. It's still pretty much the same name, characteristics, modifiers... Modifiers can never reduce a characteristic to less than zero. Rend modifiers. Uh, save of dash means you must roll a seven or more, which means basically if you have a save of dash, which is very few things, if you get a plus one to your save, then your save of six. You can only modify your save up by one, right? We've already said that. It can only be a plus yes. one is the best save. So if you have a save of dash, you can get a six-up save if you get the bonus. That's basically it. Mm -hmm. So there we go. Uh, random characteristics, random move. That's all. It, that's all pretty explanatory. Random range, random attacks or damage. Uh, mounts, companions, and crew. Command models. Some units include uniquely named champions, standard bears, and musicians. They are command models. So I like that they're calling them command again. They didn't do that before. This is back to old school mm -hmm. Warhammer. The War Scroll may include upgrades that apply only to them or abilities that can only be used if they're a part of the unit. And the little gray box says they must be represented by the appropriate miniatures. They are assumed to be armed with the same weapon as the other models, unless noted otherwise, even if they're not shown in the model themselves because they're at command models. Um, many War Scrolls allow weapon options or upgrades to be taken by one in every X. If this is the case, if the unit has fewer than X, the weapon or upgrade cannot be taken. Obviously, that doesn't mean if you lose models in the unit, suddenly he loses his weapon, but you have to take that many models when you when you purchase the unit um, as far as points go to get the model. Uh, abilities, damage tables, keywords, all of this stuff is pretty self-explanatory. Faction terrain war scrolls, same thing. Endless spells and invocation war scrolls. Is there anything on here we need to really... Am I missing anything? Is there... No. Nope, okay. This Pit is all just clarification and rehash of all things we've had before. Uh, okay, right. Uh, when we publish a set of pitch battle profiles, the new version takes precedence over the old version. 
that lists the uh, the faction type unit. So this is where you're going to see the unit size and the points and the battlefield rule and the notes. Um, this is all. Um, you're only going to see one unit size now because of the way you reinforce units. This is new. Um, understrength unit is one that has fewer models than its minimum unit size. Now, okay, um, let's talk about this for a minute. Unit size. Entry list. The minimum number of models a unit must have. When you select a unit to be part of your army, you must take it at the minimum size unit unless it can be taken as an understrength unit or a reinforced unit. Is it, Okay. Is there any... I just... There's nothing that actually... I, I haven't seen anything that says understrength unit. What does that mean? Like... Uh, can so it's a unit that has fewer models and it's a minimum unit size. Um, the... Best example I can think of is um, demons. Okay. Because you can summon five, and minimum size is ten. Oh, so when you sum, okay. Oh, okay. I got you. All right. That okay. Now that makes sense because I'm like it does. It wouldn't say that under notes, would it? Like I'm like, why would it even say that? That you can take one as undersized. Like why would you want to? Um, you don't really want to. Um, right. You can. It's just so the thing is you must take it at the minimum size unless it can be taken as an understrength. Um, it has to. I would imagine I would need to say that it has to be that it can't be taken as an understrength. Right. Okay. So now this before you take a unit and it would tell you what the min and the max was and you'd get bonuses if you maxed out. That's all gone. Mm-hmm. Now you can reinforce units. If you reinforce a unit as twice as many models. Uh, and you can include them in your army. You can reinforce units with the battlefield role. If they're battle line, you can reinforce them twice. So then it has three times as many models and counts as two units toward the number of reinforced units you can include in your army. If the description mm-hmm. for the unit is a single model, it can't be reinforced. So if it's got a unit size of five, you can double it to ten. If it's battle line, you can triple it to fifteen. Um... But that counts as two reinf- two units toward the number of reinforced units because there is a limit to how many reinforced units you can have. Correct. Okay. Um, makes it simpler. No no discounts for bigger units, but obviously bigger units have their own benefits. That's not necessarily the case. Um, there are some war scrolls that had some adjustments to them or new war scrolls added where – and I – the big example was the Sons of Bahamut. They have a Gargant mob, which is three Gargants for 480 points as a single. Oh, because it says it on their War Scroll. Am I correct? No. No? Where does that, where this does is that come a up? new. This is a new unit entry for Sons of Bahamut um, in the GHB. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. three okay. Gargants for 480 points, and it's listed as a single. So just because it says single doesn't mean it's one model. It's just you cannot reinforce it. It's at that size. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And I just want to make sure to bring that up because there are some that are going to pop up, like the um, Underworld's Warbands are also going to say single, and it's like five or six models. Oh, I get it. Okay. So Gargans, because they could be unit size of one. Or three. Or three. Because a regular Gargant is 170 and a single, and then the mob is three Gargants and single. So 
for Gargants now, you used to be able to take units of one to three. Now it's one or three. So you can't take two. That's weird. That's really weird. Okay. Uh, Points value, battlefield rolls, conditional battlefield rolls, blah, 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 unique and single. Uh, Allies. Okay, let's get to battalions. This is the fun. Okay. So there are two types of battalions, war scroll battalions and core battalions. We're going to talk about core battalions. Um, War scroll battalions cannot be taken in matched play. You can still take them in open play or narrative play, which basically means if you want to do that at home, you can. Um, I'm looking at that saying, yeah, you can, but since we don't have... I mean, do we do we still... I mean, we have artifacts and stuff, so it still allows you to take extra artifacts. You still get the extra command points. I mean, do you still follow all those rules? For a War Scroll Battalion? Yeah. No. No. So you could take the battalion and pay those points and get that one benefit. I just don't... I mean, with, with the changes no. in the rules... With the with the War Scroll Battalions, mm-hmm. they don't have points costs, so you can't even take them. And you can... Can you take them in match play? I know you can't take them in matched play, but it says that you can take them in uh, open play and narrative play. Right. Oh, but since so, where are the rules for War Scroll Battalions getting that? Getting the extra artifact and getting extra command point, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, that was in the main book. So now the War Scroll Battalions just get the benefit that's listed in the War Scroll Battalion. As far art- as I'm aware, yes. Okay. When we republish a War Scroll Battalion, a new version takes precedence over older versions. Okay. So there's still be... Oh, okay. Um, I, ju- I guess... I, I don't know. I just... I don't know if there... Is there a point? I mean, did they... When they when they published... I don't, I don't remember when I looked at it. When they republished all the points, were there, war, were there points for War Scroll Battalions given? No. No. So you'd have no, to take the, the War Scroll Battalion um, now is just a guide for how to like build your army if you're going to play it into match play or to narrative play. Okay. Um, so the War Scroll is just cool extra stuff you can do for open or narrative play. Oh, okay. In match play, it's gone. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, I knew that. So I just, and yeah. I know that them being gone uh, got a lot of people bunched up as. Mm-hmm. To be expected. Um, hey, I had a lot of cool uh, things I could do with them that I can't do anymore. And I, I I mean, I would like to still do them, but that's that's a different that's game. That's not in match play. You can yeah. do it in narrative. Um, the big thing is, if you think about how many different battalions that there were in the game that were War Scroll battalions, just think about it. There's, what, about five or six for every book? At least. If not more? Yeah. How many of those did you see? You almost always saw the same two or three. And it was, my army was defined by this battalion. Um, like oh, yeah. You would only ever see this battalion with this build, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were how many ever useless battalions, quote-unquote, that we would never, ever see, but that we spent time talking about, like the mega battalions, um, with just going down to the core battalions, Yes, there are some armies that are going to feel this blow a lot more, but now everyone's on the same field. 
it, it's, it does seem to balance things out a little bit to me. I mean, I don't know. In mm-hmm. the big picture, some of this might really benefit other armies more than others. I don't know. But when have it I helps, ever known? It, but it helps put things back a little closer to a middle because there were a lot of books that had access to, quote-unquote, like not particularly good battalions. But then you see ones where it's just like, oh, I'm going to make this unit of uh, Hearthguard Berserkers, ASF, and so always strikes first, and then they can attack twice, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's gone and everyone has to do with these basic stuff now where it's not these crazy over-the-top rules it's more about how you play your army as opposed to paying the points and maxing out a war scroll battalion gotcha all right so how does this work there are six of them okay Mm -hmm. And uh, it's basically got a little bit of an organization chart. If, if I've, I mean, I saw this. This is in, in 40K. You've seen it a lot. Um, it is. So basically you've got uh, a bunch of unit pictures of unit types, and some are in black, which means you have to have those. And then there's gray, which means you can have that many more up, but that's your max where you max out. Mm-hmm. Um. If you pick that battalion, it's got uh, certain abilities that you get if you take it. Um, there's different ones for different things. Uh, if you take the battle regiment, you like you get one. You get that's a one drop deployment, and it literally you have to drop the. You don't get to choose. You drop the whole battalion in one drop. Mm-hmm. Uh, the warlord battalion, which is mostly characters. Yep. Uh, you get two bonuses. A strategist, which means once per battle you get an extra command point, and when you pick enhancements for your army, you can pick an extra enhancement. We haven't gotten to those yet. Uh, Vanguard, once per battle you can get an at the double or forward to victory. Like there's just little bonuses for taking these different. Um, uh, if you take a grand battery, which is a character and two to three uh, artillery pieces. Once per battle, one unit can receive the all-out attack or unleash hell command without using the command point. Um, And then there's a command entourage, which is all characters, which you get to pick one or the other. There's a slash in between the two bonuses, so you get to pick one or the other. Um, These are... I kind of like this. I can see breaking up my army. You don't have to pick any of these. You can just lay out your army and not... But these are free. Mm-hmm. And so you can get little bonuses by doing this. I don't see a reason not to put your army into these little battalions if you can, but you don't have to, and maybe it doesn't quite fit, and so you don't. But if it can, you might as well. Yeah. So it's these war scroll, these core battalions are the biggest change, and a lot of people saw this, and they didn't take into context that you still have to have the same like faction keywords and everything for your army because a lot of people saw this and it's like oh it's like 40k where i can take a warlord of slaves to darkness and a battle regiment of skaven etc etc it's no it's not like that yeah, everyone's still got to come from the same book because you don't have a grand alliance anymore so right and it's not soup um is really what it is because like the nasty Drakari list is you have like a patrol of whatever you have a patrol of whatever and a patrol of another one and they all have different rules and they all do different things and it's really hard to keep track of this is much more simple than that nonsense 
Yeah, I guess that does. Um, but so there's like six of them. So there they go. You got six. Pick something. Um, I like it. I really do. I kind of like it. It it does keep it simple. And once you start playing, and someone's like, "I've got a warlord entourage," or "I've or I've got a warlord uh, battalion," or "I've got a command battalion," you, there's only like six. You'll learn them quickly enough. And when people tell you they have them, then you'll know they have them, and it'll be fine. Uh, allegiance abilities are in the book. Allied units, battle traits, um, enhancements. Each set of allegiance abilities includes a number of enhancements that are given to specific units. Enhancements are divided to command traits, artifacts, spell lores, prayer scriptures. So this is, enhancements is just describing what everything is, right? Right. So it's um, giving definitions of stuff we've most mostly already had. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is like when we're dealing with the core battalion where it gives you magnificent, which is you get to pick an extra enhancement. You're predominantly going to use that for an additional artifact or mount trait or a triumph okay so those are the three big ones that you're going to use the additional enhancement for because everything else will feel will feel like normal magnificent and that comes with the warlord <laughs> or the command entourage oh so that's you're not going to see too many extra artifacts are you you may see one maybe two because you still have the hero limit. And then the other thing is these entour- the warlord and the entourage is a leader and then a leader with 10 or less wounds. Well, two leaders with 10 or less wounds. So the most extra artifacts you'll see outside of like one of the Fire Slayer Lodges is two. Okay, so but I have a question. taking six characters. A leader. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just... No, is that an actual... That is a battlefield role. Okay. So you can have a leader and then a subcommander is a leader. So you don't, uh, a commander doesn't mean it's got more than 10 wounds. It's just, it's just a leader, right? Correct. Okay. So any leader and then the other leaders have, so you can't take a bunch of leaders with more than 10 wounds. It's basically you can have one or sometimes two with... Ten, with ten or more, uh, ten or more wounds, but you can't take all of them. So it's just so. There's really no difference between a commander and a sub commander necessarily, other than the sub commander can't have more than ten wounds okay. or ten or less wounds. But a leader doesn't. A commander doesn't have to have ten or more wounds. That's what I'm saying. Correct. Okay. Cool. 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 All right. Um, hmm. Every time you get take a command trait enhancement, you can pick one command trait and give it to your general. You can never pick more than one command trait for your army, and command traits can only be given to a general that is a hero. So you never get more than one command trait. Correct. So your enhancements, if you get extra things from that, you don't get to pick. So it's basically, like you said, it's artifacts or mount trains or triumphs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um each time you take an artifact of power, give it a spell lore. Each time you take a spell lore enhancement, you can pick one spell for each wizard in your army. From, from any of the spell lores available to them. Okay. Um, if you... I'm confused here. Um, each okay, set of allegiance abilities includes a number. So... 
when you take a spell or I'm getting I'm getting confused. This doesn't change the fact that when I have my normal wizards, they can pick a spell from the lore, right? Because I'm not take that. I guess it's saying taking a spell lore enhancement. Like, do I have to? Yeah. Each, so each time you take a spell lore enhancement, you can pick one spell for each wizard in your army from any of the spell lores available to them. Okay. Each wizard knows a spell that you pick for them in addition to other spells. You know. So I'm not actually. It's so it's it's not actually. Uh, when I pick extra enhancements, when I get that magnificent, I that's I like I I still get all my spells even if I don't have that battalion, and if I take magnificent, and do spell wars, you would get two at that. You would get an additional spell for every wizard. Oh, so I can if I take if I get that magnificent battalion ability, I can get an extra spell for every wizard in my army. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is pretty good. I mean, they still can't cast any extra spells, but they would all know extra spells. Okay. Uh, if you take a prayer scripture enhancement, they can know an extra pray- prayer. Right. Oh, wow. Or I can take a triumph, pick a triumph from my army. Each triumph can only be used once for battle. Some allegiance abilities have unique enhancements, and that's what's. I don't know what is that. What would that be? Is there anything we know about, or is that just setting up in case? Set up in case. Okay. Uh, subfaction allegiance abilities. Oh, they're divided into legions. They have different legions. Okay, that's not a problem. Okay, we get that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are universal enhancements. The following enhancements can be used by any army. Okay, so I have my command traits in my book and universal command traits. So I, if I don't like the ones in my book, I can pick the generic ones. Is yes. that what this is saying? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we've done everything else. Should we just go over these? Because after that, we're into battle packs and special rules. We're just about done, actually. Correct. All right. So um, universal command traits. Reroll, run, and charge rolls for the general. Uh, if the general's on the battlefield at the start of the hero phase, roll a die and in a five up, you get an extra command point. Uh, reroll chanting rolls for your general if he is a high priest. Uh, plus one wound for your general. In your hero, once in your hero phase, reroll a casting roll, dispel, or unbinding roll for the general. So it's all for your general and it's some um, generic stuff. So not bad uh, for the general command traits. Uh, universal artifact. You want to take this one? Sure. So Go there's ahead. four. Uh, the first one, Amulet of Destiny, is a five-up ward for the character that has it, which is nothing to sneeze at. Nope. Um, the Vial of Manicore Venom is big, and I think you're going to see this one. Um, pick one of the bear's melee weapons and add one to wound rolls for attacks made with that weapon. Um, that you're going to see. Yeah, because once again, it can... pretty hard to find. Yeah, and it's and it's once again you can only max out at a plus or minus one to wound, just so you can only do plus or minus one to hit. Am I correct? Yes. So, but this is a nice one because it's jumping you right in there. Okay, cool. What else? Um, so, arcane tome. They become a wizard, um, and they get to know arcane bolt, mystic shield, can unbind, yada yada yada. Um, and if the bear is already a wizard, they get an extra spell attempt. All right. So easy enough. Um, and then seed of rebirth is you can reroll heroic recovery rolls for the bear, meaning you're rolling less than your leadership. Oh, nice. Or bravery, sorry. Okay, cool. Uh, universal spell lore. 
This is interesting. Okay, so universal spells. If you don't like the spells in your lore. So if you don't like, like in the last episode I was talking and they said that uh, we were saying how the lore of vampires is not that great. You got three other spells you can pick from. Uh, or if you take an extra spell lore enhancement, you then get to do this oh. in addition to your book. Wow. I can, Okay, so I can take this from any time, but I also, yeah. The, okay. Flaming weapon goes off on a four. Pick a melee weapon plus one damage until your next hero phase. For the caster. Yep, for the caster. Uh, levitate. Cast on an eight, range of 18 inches. Pick a friendly unit, wholly within range, and they can fly. That's kind of good, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, because I can affect a whole other unit? Like, I could make my zombies fly? Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's th- th- you can make an entire horde fly for a turn. That's pretty good. Uh, and then there's Ghost Mist. Cast on a five, range of six inches. Pick a terrain feature within range. Until your next hero phase, visibility between two models is blocked if a straight line drawn between the closest points of the two models passes across more than three inches of that terrain feature. This effect does not block visibility to or from models with a wound characteristic of ten or more. Okay, that's uh, that's not bad either, right? No, it's kind of like a worse version of Wildwood. Um, but it's still creating something that wasn't there, especially if it's a very big terrain feature to turn like some massive thing into like you can't see me. Yeah, so. well, that's nice. Okay, uh, you want to take the universal prayers? Sure. Uh, so guidance cast value or has a prayer value of five, and if it's answered, you get an extra command point. That's big. You're gonna see that. It's hard to um, get, but it's worth it. Yeah. Uh, heal, you get to, it's cast. It's an answer value of three, range of 12. Um, and if it's answered, you pick a friendly model uh, within range and visible and heal up to D3 wounds to that model. Also something you're going to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so priests definitely got a boost in this edition. Yeah. Um, then the last one is curse, uh, answer value of four, range of nine. And if answered, pick an enemy unit within range and visible. And until your next hero phase, if the unmodified hit roll for an attack that targets that unit is a six, that unit takes one mortal wound in addition to any normal damage. Okay, nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. And then the Universal Triumphs. Um... Once per battle after you after you make a charge roll, you can say it's bloodthirsty, and then you can re-roll the charge roll. Once per battle after you pick a unit to shoot or fight, you can call it inspired and add one to wound rolls until the end of the phase. Or once per battle, you can take a battle shock test. You can say it's indomitable, and then no models will flee in that battle shock phase. It doesn't say you don't take the roll. It just says no models will flee. Right. So there you go. Universal triumphs. So there's yeah, a- and those have those have changed, um, because it used to be reroll, all failed to hit, all failed to wound, or all failed armor save, for one unit. Yeah, these are these are completely different. But so that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So this yes. and that stuff is there. Once again, they've given something for everybody. So if your army, if your if your army is an older book, or maybe it's a little behind the eight ball, or it's just not where you want it to be you've got something you can grab onto. Right. And since everyone gets a triumph, 
now because of how the enhancements work. Even if you're like under by like 50 points plus than your opponent, you don't get a triumph for that anymore. Unless it says that in the match playbook. Uh, I don't know. I didn't see that. I did. I will take a look at it in a minute. So um, the universal triumphs are now available to everybody, um, which is kind of a big deal. That's if um, you pick that, though, right? You'd have to pick. No. Okay. Wait. You have to pick a triumph, but everyone gets a triumph enhancement. Okay. Where did I? Okay. Enhancements are divided into traits. And okay. You can always take one enhancement of each type. Oh. Okay, so you do. So you're going to get one command trait, one artifact. One spell or selection, one prayer scripture selection, and one triumph. And one mount trait. Yes. All right, so we've got all of that. All right, so I think we've covered everything we need to under the enhancements. There's a lot of interesting new rules there. Mm -hmm. um, going to really change the way things are played. I kind of like that you get to pick one of everything. I didn't realize that. So you're going to get a triumph. You're going to get all that stuff. Very interesting. Uh, okay, so let's get to battle packs. And this is this is the last thing. This is part 28. Um, you're going to play with a battle pack, which has your special rules that apply when fighting battles using a battle pack. The sections are followed by the battle plans that are used. Okay, so this is basic. This is sort of picking out your rules. Now, this is a. Uh, I'm going to ask this question when we get through this part because I understand they've got all these things. But then, as I looked through the book, at least under the matched play part, it only listed like three battle plans, and I'm wondering if the old battle plans from the GHB are still even relevant. Um, okay. So they've released like a table of contents for the GHB 2021, right? And it has more. Battle okay. plans in it. Okay, good, 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 good. Um, all right, so it talked about army selection, special rules. There's mysterious terrain table. There are only six bits of mysterious terrain listed. Mm -hmm. uh, some battle packs will instruct one or both players to roll in the mysterious terrain table. Um, so I know we had like, what, 12 or 18 we or had something? 12. So we seem to be down to six again? Unless there's something in the GHB. Okay. Uh, you got Damned, Arcane, Inspiring, Deadly, Mystical, and Sinister, and those are all things we've had before. You can look at them. They're very simple, but it's, you know, it's basically making, you're near this piece of terrain, it gives you either a bonus or a negative. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, battle plans are listed up. They'll have all the stuff on that. This explains the battle plans and the map. We're good with that, and that's, that's everything. Them's the rules. And then it goes into the rules index, which is very helpful. And where is that? Um, it's in the core rules under Conquest Unbound. Um, it has a rules index based on Alpha. Conquest um, Unbound. I'm not okay. I'm looking at my book. It might be only ah. in the downloadable PDF as opposed to the GHP. Might be because I don't or see the it. Core book. Yeah, Sorry. I don't see it here. Oh, Conquest Unbound. Yes, that's later in the book. Okay, th go up to page three forty-eight. Okay, hold on. Bip, blah, 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 bloop. Oh, okay, rules index and rosters. Oh, yeah. that's got the siege warfare stuff. Triumph and treachery. Let's see yeah, what but even in like the core rules, the PDF that they release, which is what I'm going off of, they have that index so you can look things up um, in a much faster fashion. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't seem to have that. Yeah, it was only in the PDF because. Oh, okay. 
That's cool. I may have to go find the PDF then, just to go look at that, if that's that helpful. For the core rules, yes. I think the pack or the PDF that they sent out, having that index makes things a little easier. But then there's parts missing, like you're talking about with the match play section of the core book. And it may be here, and I just might not have noticed it because there's so much stuff. I mean, this book is huge. It's ridiculous. Um, it's a okay. Large, yeah. All right. So let's get to the let's 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 talk the match play, and then we're going to wrap up the show because we've been going on for quite some time now. Mm-hmm. So the match play rules. It talks about uh, you know tournaments and battle plans and all that stuff. Um, it says something here: the contest of generals battle pack. This battle pack is designed to allow you and your opponent to play a game of Warhammer Age of Sigmar that is as evenly matched as possible. To be victorious, not only do you need to play with skill, but you also need to carefully consider the composition of your army. So you get your point limit. Now, it gives you different. It's got 750, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000, and 3,000, and it tells you the old stuff. How many leader units you can have, how many battle line, behemoth, artillery, endless spells, reinforced units, understrength units. An understrength unit is 0 to 1 of each type of unit. Okay. Uh, you, how many allies you can take, the battlefield size, and the recommended minimum number of terrain features. So for a 2,000-point game, uh, the only thing that, I, that you can have only up, up to three endless spells and invocations. You can have up to four reinforced units in a 2,000-point army. Mm-hmm. So if you take one unit and triple its size, that's half of your reinforcements right there. So you're going to have a lot more minimum-sized units in your game. Not necessarily. Um, it just depends on the unit, because the other thing you have to consider is the GHB. Um, and that has changed sizes on quite a few units. Right. Um, but I'm still saying you can only increase past that base size four times. And if you triple, that's double. That's two of them right there. So, Yeah. So it just depends on the unit. Like Blade Geist Revenants went from five to ten. Right. So it actually makes them like not super screwed. Because if you only enhance five to ten, then that's a quarter of your reinforcements gone. Whereas now it's if you reinforce it, it's now twenty instead of ten. Right. Because of the changes. So just keep that in mind. I know a lot of people are like, Oh my god, small MSU is the only way to play this. It's like no, you're just operating with half the information. Okay. Uh, let's see. What is in here that seems pretty interesting if there's anything? Um, maximum number of endless spells and invocations. You cannot include the same endless spell or invocation more than once in your army. Um, let's see. Maximum number of points you can spend on allies is listed on the general's table. It seems to be 20% still. Mm-hmm. Uh, faction terrains, where you got to set it up. You can include core battalions in your army, but you cannot include war scroll battalions. It says that in here. And the following special rules apply. Okay, here's where it gets interesting. Once again, we already talked about stealing the initiative. Uh, first battle round, whoever finishes deploying first has priority, which they get to determine who goes first and who goes second. After you've picked your army, you have to pick a grand strategy and record it on your army roster, Okay. There's sever the head. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if there are no heroes from your opponent's starting army on the battlefield. Okay? 
or Vendetta. When the battle ends, you complete this one if the model chosen to be your opponent's general has been slain and your general has not been slain. Okay, so kill all the heroes or your general's alive, their general's not. Hold the line when the battle ends. You complete this one if there are any battle line units from your starting army on the battlefield. So those are your three choices. If you succeed, you get three additional victory points for any of those. So you have to pick one. When you, it says, after you've picked your army, you must pick one and put it on your army roster. So this has to be on your list. It's not when you rock up to the table. Correct. Okay. Then, um, there's battle tactics. At the end of your turn, after determining control of objectives, you get two victory points if you complete your battle tactic, okay? At the start of your hero phase, you pick a battle tactic from the list and tell it to your opponent. If your battle tactic instructs you to pick something, you must tell your opponent what you picked. You have until the end of that turn to complete the battle tactic. You cannot pick the same tactic more than once per battle. So there's six tactics. you got to pick one per turn, okay? Uh, two victory points if you do it. And you pick it at your hero phase, and it's got to be done by the end of your turn, okay? Um, one is uh, pick an enemy unit wholly within your opponent's territory. You complete it if they're destroyed during this turn, which later in the game, if you've got a weak unit that's already been kind of beat up, that might be a great one to pick. You can only pick it once per battle, but, you know. Um, there's also pick a unit from your opponent's starting army that, and I like they say starting army, so it's not something that they summoned later, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's on the battlefield. You complete it if that unit is destroyed during this turn. So one is pick one that's wholly in your opponent's territory. This one is just some, anything from the starting army. Conquer. Pick an objective marker on the battlefield that your opponent controls. You complete it if you control that at the end of this turn. Um, oh, that's why it says at the end of your turn after determining control of objectives. You get it. Okay. Repel. Pick an enemy unit wholly or partially within your territory. You complete the tactic if that unit's destroyed during this turn. You com- uh, Next one, seize the center. Complete it if there are more friendly than enemy models within six inches of the center of the battlefield at the end of this turn. I like that one. I kind of missed the whole holding the center of the battlefield uh, bonus. Mm-hmm. And then finally is Slay the Warlord. You complete this tactic if the model chosen to be your opponent's general is slain during this turn. So there you go. Those are the six and, and two victory points every time you're able to complete one of these in your turn. And then you're given three, three battle plans. Uh, frontal Assault, Burn and Pillage, and Rising Power. I'm not going to go through all of these. They're just battle no. plans. You can look at them yourself. That's outside of open and narrative play. And open and narrative play have have decent-sized sections. Um, They still have the open war battle pack still gives you uh, points limits and tells you what size your board should be, but it gives you no – there's no – there's nothing talking about what types of – like what your limits on your unit numbers are. It doesn't say anything about – um, you know, I have to have so many battle line or anything like that. It just says use your points limits and it's your board size. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have an open war generator, which gives you the map, the victory table, the twist table, the ruse table. If you played any of these, like those, those, uh, they used to sell those decks 
where you the can open just, war cards. The open war cards. Um, it's open play really plays like the open war cards now. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, take whatever you want and do it. Uh, that's actually pretty cool. Um, the narrative play section has a little bit more. There's a path to glory in here. Um, did this play? I think this path to glory changed. It looks a little more it, interesting than it's it, changed quite a bit. Um, it plays very similar to the crusade from 40 K. Yeah. Um, and as such, it will be more interesting to play than yeah. previous path to glory because previously when we did battle to home reviews, we skipped it. Mm-hmm. Um, just out of hand, like, no, no, go away. Um, I th- really think that the new path to glory system will actually see a lot of use within play groups. Um, I know my group is already intending on doing a path to glory. I looked um, at this and I thought the same thing. I would like to do a path to glory campaign. I mean, this is, it's 20 pages. Yeah. There's a lot it's, here, and I, it's interesting. Like I'm just like, oh, this. I mean, we're not going to go over it now, only because a, I'm tired. It's midnight, and b, um, I'm tired. It's midnight. But we may cover it at a, at a later time. I'm not trying to just skip the narrative. I like the narrative. That's just a lot. It's 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 half the length of the rules that mm-hmm. we just covered. I, I, I'm I, I, we'll have to come back to it at some point. For sure. But you're gonna play it, you think? Yeah. There's cool, absolutely there's cool stuff in there. I do like it. But that's the rules. I'm excited for this. Yes. It and I know like Alex just sounds just down about everything in general. <laughs> I have resting <laughs> voice. Um Whoa, we've got to get the cuckoos out. Oh whatever. Uh, look at you. Um no no. But the point is it's like if you play a game of 3.0, like there's a lot to process and there's a lot of changes, but it really is a much better version of the game we've been playing and have loved for so long. Um, and it does require a lot of change because of like, have we previously discussed like the war school battalions are gone. Like that is not something you're going to see in match play anymore. So you just have to be patient, make adjustments and that's really what it's going to be because everyone is learning essentially a new game. Um, there's a lot me. of changes. Yeah. So there's a lot to take in and don't beat yourself up about it. If it doesn't work out the way that you want it to the first couple times, um, it's all trial and error now. And a lot of us have not been playing, uh, for the last 15 months. Yeah. That's so. true. I also think, Plus, with the point changes, okay, we're at a smaller table. Points have increased. You're going to take smaller armies. I don't think you're mm-hmm. going to be able to afford to drop. I mean, I was dropping anywhere from 120 to 200. I was, I mean, I was dropping almost 10% of my army on battalions, my army And points. that wasn't including if you spent 50 points to buy an extra CP. Right. So it's one of those things that's like, yes, the points went up. They went up quite a bit. Usually, I think pretty much across the board, there was a lot of points increases. Mm -hmm. Um, There were some that went down, sure, but there's a lot of increases and some adjustments in unit sizes because the size of this table is that much smaller. So every unit's going to have a bigger impact because there's less room for it to like run around and do nothing in, and everything will feel like it's more important because 
there's a lot less dead space. Um, the first time that I played 3.0, one of the things that I really found appealing is that there's not as much dead space on the table. Stuff actually means something. You're actually interacting with the terrain. You're interacting with your opponent immediately. So, I don't yeah. know. I no, really I'm, like it. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you've played it, and you can say how much you like it. Uh, I'm I'm excited to give to give it a, to give it a run. I'm very excited to give it a run. So, I think that's it, though. I think we're going to wrap it up. Alex, thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you for coming back. I know you got a lot going on at home. Um, we all, you know, everyone's got things going on. But I mean, I appreciate your coming back to do this episode with me and mm -hmm. to help explain and lay out the rules. Um, I, I really just want to thank you very much. Okay. Yeah, of course. Happy to do it. And uh, folks, uh, before we go, I definitely want to rethink, you know, the sponsors, uh, Chaos Orc Superstore, um, uh, Six Squared Studios, and Garagnard's Games. Uh, also, our Patreon associate producers, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, AJC, OP, Big Jake, and our executive producer, Colin Miller. Thank you all for being part of the 1% that make this show and all we do possible. Folks, until next time, only the faithful will be triumphant, only the faithful will stand when all others fall, and only the faithful know no despair except in failure.